Blog Talk Radio.
Father God, we just praise your holy name. We thank you, Father, for this opportunity to just kind of come together and look at the mysteries in your scripture and to wonder if maybe some of the things that, a little sampling of things that many of your teachers and preachers of the years have believed, or the visions and the dreams that have been given to so many people that don't jive with perhaps what we think they should be saying. Father, maybe there is more than meets the eye to the understanding of these things. Maybe there is mysteries that are woven throughout your scriptures that we have not quite unraveled yet. Maybe we should remain humble in our hearts and not think that we've been given all of the answers. Maybe we should embrace 1 Corinthians 8, 2 and understand that if anyone thinks they know anything, they know nothing yet as they ought to know. Father, we pray that you will keep our hearts and minds humble, but you will also imbue within us, within the very particles of our existence in this realm, a sense of humility and also a sense of hope and, and just just complete focus and love and just be able to be, see that, that maybe there are so many answers that we have not quite stumbled across yet. And how exciting that it, that it is that, that we would have that hope and, and but at the same time have the humility to understand that perhaps we don't have it all right. And we just pray in Jesus' name, Father God, that we're going to be able to exhort each other and lift each other up with these, with these various hopes, even knowing that maybe we're not exactly correct in our understanding and being strong in you and being strong in you, Lord Jesus, and being very grateful and thankful and just full of praise that we have this opportunity, even in the midst of all of the darkness that is taking over the world pretty much right now, that we have this opportunity to draw in closer to you. Because I don't think any of us love you as much as we ought, and I don't know that we will ever have enough time on this earth to fall in love with you the way that we ought. And I pray in Jesus' name, Father, that more than anything, that your love will fill us so overflowing that we cannot help but touch other people's lives, that we cannot help but to 
to help, you know, just just to overflow with 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 all of the compassion and the love of Jesus. So much so that we can not even imagine ourselves partaking in the in the fleshy things of this earth that so many of our fellow brothers and sisters will be. And Father, we just pray in Jesus' name that you will place us on our knees before thee in humility and, and power and authority that has been given to us through the blood of Jesus. And we will understand that authority and that power, and we will we will exude that power and authority through our prayers, through spiritual warfare prayers. And in the days that come, because so many people will be caught up in the flesh and participating in things that they should not, not understanding that they need or they were called to be exactly like you, Lord Yahshua, Jesus Christ, our King. But yet at the same time, they're so caught up in the flesh, they want to be able to have one foot in the kingdom and another foot in the flesh, and they don't really understand that's not our calling at all. And we just pray, Father God, that you will have mercy and you will pour out a spirit of forgiveness upon all of the people, Father God, all of the people that are so confused across this earth. And we're not saying we're not. We're simply saying that maybe you've blessed us with a little bit more of a possible understanding of things. And, and we thank you for drawing us in to help us to understand that we are not from here. We are sojourners. We are citizens of this uh, of heaven. And that that and our citizenship isn't so much in heaven that we are completely and utterly divorced in uh, all things that are of the flesh and of this earth. And we pray that you will give us divine eyes, that we are able to see things from the throne room's perspective and through the compassion and love of Jesus, that we could utterly put on Jesus, as the scripture says, and duo is the Greek word, and like sinking into a garment and understand that we are all called ultimately to carry our cross and to lay down our lives as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable as our spiritual service of worship to you, Father, if that is what is called of us. And to realize that that's a blessing because to live is Christ and to die is gain. And just give you all the praise and honor and glory, Father, for you alone are worthy. We praise you for bringing us to the place of understanding that we are at right now. And we pray in Jesus' name that you will continue to bring us along even further, that we should can continue to journey up that mountain. And maybe at some point be able to pull as many people along as we can because there will be people that slip into a state of fear. And you have not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. Second Timothy first one seven. Thank you, Father. We just praise your holy name for the re- revelations, the understandings, the epiphanies that you have given us over these years and are. And we thank you for the opportunity to be able to share supernatural events that have happened to each one of us as best as we possibly can. Um, to to maybe lift people up and to give them extra hope in the days that we live in today, because as you know, Father, they we have definitely started to go into the period of sorrows. And we just thank you for that, and we praise you, Father, for giving us the hope that we need to have, that strength that comes only through your throne room, that anointing that can only come from you, Lord Jesus, in our walk, that will keep us strong in the days to come, and that we will not slip into the flesh. We will not think that it's okay for any reason whatsoever. I don't understand, Father. I pray that you will forgive the preachers and the teachers out there that are teaching people incorrectly that it's okay to use guns and earthly weapons even for the purpose of defending their families because that is putting your foot in the flesh and completely misunderstanding the scripture and what its intent is. And Father, I don't, I don't understand how that can be, but you know, yet there will we just pray, Father, in Jesus name that you will pour out your spirit upon people, Father, that they that even at the time that they think that they can participate in the flesh in such a at such a dastardly way that they would kill somebody in the flesh, holding up laws of their country as if it's some sort of banner of permission, yet at the same time they would preach against abortion 
And they would say, well, I would never abort a baby, but at the same time they would say, well, I have a Second Amendment right to kill people and murder people. Yet they just do not understand. And Father, we pray in Jesus' name that you will just pour out your spirit upon all flesh as you have promised in Acts 2, 17 through 21, and in Joel 2, and help people to understand through presence of your spirit that we are Jesus on this earth, and to understand that that would never be anything but someone that was part of the glory, light, and love of Yahshua Messiah, Jesus Christ, our King, would ever, ever think of doing. Thank you for continuing to reveal your mysteries to us, Father. May we, in all humility, hope that we can touch other people's lives and give them that hope, that sacred hope, and that courage and strength to understand that none of the stuff that we see happening around us matters, that we would be at complete peace coming home to you, no matter how it is you wish for this time on on the earth for each of us to end no matter what. In Jesus' name we pray, and we thank you, Father God, for this this program tonight. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You know, um, I was debating whether or not I was going to do a show. It's normal, you know, formatted as usual, um, where we cover the news and the kids and everything. Right, kids? (laughs) I know. Well, kids, you're just going to have to go on the back burner tonight. (laughs) It's all right. You guys are good Jesus kids. You'll still enjoy the program, won't you? Okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. He's up. He's up. It's all good. It's all good. Praise God. 
You know, I look around me on the uh, desk here in the Golden JIB Studios, Jesus and Broadcasting Studios, here in lovely Tampa, Florida. Come and visit us sometime. You know, that is if you want to wear a mask and be in the midst of a brawl on an airliner. <sighs> but anyway, um, so here's the news. Riots everywhere. Masks everywhere. As a matter of fact, I'm going to summarize the news with this one little audio clip. Hey, human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. Yeah, so there we go. And, and you know, I could go on and on, but I'm not going to. What I have discovered, though, is that I was taking notes for this program tonight. I have a lot of notes, and I don't think I can cover it all. It's always so much more than I think. Because over the years, over the last 10 years, the Lord has shown me so many things, and I I don't really even know how to get them all out. And I want to get them all out. Don't get me wrong. I I feel, as a matter of fact, I think when somebody, when you feel in your heart, and this is good, this is a good thing. When you feel in your heart that the Lord has given you something or shared something with you, then you kind of like feel this, I don't know, spiritual slash moral slash ethical slash whatever you want to call it, obligation to communicate it. You know, and of course, hopefully out of humility, that you can say, you know, Acts 17, 11, be a good Brian, you know, the Brians were more nobler than these, for they searched the scriptures daily to see if it was so. But most people won't. And honestly, um, it's it. the problem is that when the searching the scriptures daily kind of thing is good, and I cannot more highly recommend that we all spend as much time in the word of God as, as we possibly can squeeze out of our busy days, especially, you know, in the craziness of today. But, um, you know, I've noticed that uh, it depends. You know, I've used that metaphor, that analogy, I'm sorry, that analogy of that ladder, that step ladder, where you're in the, you know, you're kind of like in the bottom of the rainforest. You're under the canopy. But you don't, you can't see the forest for the trees. You know, you you, you, you just can't see it, you know. And, and you climb up a little bit further on the ladder, a little further on the ladder, and then you start to see, you start, your head starts to peek out over the canopy, and you're like, wait a minute, this is a really big forest here. You get up a little higher, and you're like, wow, this is like the Amazon forest. So you start to get a bigger idea, and then, you know, you keep on climbing up the ladder. And, you know, what rung are you on? You know, how many rungs are there? Is there a 1,000 rungs or 100 rungs? We don't know. And people get stuck on the various rungs of the ladder. You know, they, they only grow up so far. They may have, you know, they may have, um, you know, been taught by a particular preacher or a teacher, whatever the case may be, or bought their 3995, you know, everything you ever wanted to know about Revelation. And they and they just loved it. They gobbled it up like it was Thanksgiving dinner, and that's where they sat. They said, this is where I'm at. I love it. I love it. I'm a big believer, you know, just like Paul would say. Uh, you know, some, some people, you know, they follow Paul, and some people say that they follow Paulus, and, you know, and that's what happens. You know, I've seen that happen uh, throughout my family, throughout people that I've, you know, I've, I've had people admonish me. You know, they would write me emails and they'd be like, well, how dare you? You can't do that. You can't because so-and-so, I studied under so-and-so, and you're you're contradicting what so-and-so said. And don't you know, he had one of the biggest followings ever. And I'd be like, oh, okay, well, <laughs> sorry, but, you know, and they would be indignant. I mean, you know, I mean, I would be as gracious and entreat them as much as I possibly knew how to do, but it didn't mean a hill of beans to me that so-and-so with their big smiley face plastered all over the Christian bookstores was taught something because the last will be first and the first will be last. Yeah. 
but people don't get it. You know, they, we love to follow people, you know, um, we love to follow people. That's what we like to do. We, we, oh, they have a big following. Oh, you know, this, that, you know, it's like, I don't, it doesn't mean nothing to me. It doesn't mean anything to me. Never has. Um, and, um, and, and I, and I could, you know, list many, many people that I've studied under, um, but I don't even know how many hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars worth of DVD sets and stuff that I've over the years, you know, purple fingers, you know, that divot you get into your fingers when you're studying stuff, you know, the Mead notebook stacks. I used to have stacks of Mead notebooks from notes that I'd taken as if I was ever going to have time to go back and review the notes. Of course, that's kind of, but but I think there's a you know something to be said for actually taking notes anyways because it helps to embed a lot of it into your, you know, thick head. <laughs> right, kids, thick head. <laughs> okay. Ah, oh, praise God. So I was, you know, I was born a non-rapture believer. You know, I mean, I didn't know any better. You know, so I just believed what everybody around me said. And the teacher that was the Bible teacher that was uh, my mom's and my sister's, my, you know, my sisters are 20 some years older than me and all that. Now, they both believe in the rapture now. Uh, but but at the time, the teacher, you know, our Bible, our advanced Bible teacher, because we had, you know, the, the stuff that went on at the church. But this guy was like really advanced and people would fly him around. He, you know, he had a lot of advanced theories about how, you know the book of revelation would unfold and everything. And that's fine, whatever. And, um, you know, and he was popular and, and good for him, you know, at times. And, um, anyway, long story short, he didn't really agree, you know, he, but he said, but he said, you know what? I, and I tip my hat to him for saying this. He would, he would say, he would say, um, you know what, but I could be wrong. And if I am wrong, I'll see you on the way up. You know, and I'm like, I tip my hat to that guy. Praise Jesus, because that's a good attitude. That's a good attitude. Praise God. All right. So, um, but, you know, I, 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 you know, I've studied under all. I mean, I've listened to his, his preaching and I've seen his booklets on that and why he believed that the Schofield notes were incorrect in the center of the Schofield version of the Bible and blah, 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 and all that kind of stuff. So that's kind of how I was brought up. And then, um, but then I branched out, you know, after I went through my entire life of, and yes, this is the kind of show this is going to be. I'm going to give you lots of testimony. I'm going to bring you on a journey, hopefully a journey that walks you through a little bit of what I, as best as I know how to bring forward my understanding of things as I think they may be. Um, wouldn't it be fascinating if... The answer was the all of the above. What if all these people poking each other in the eyes and calling each other names and getting in the, into fights and writing books and telling and telling you they're going to come on your radio show and then, you know, an hour beforehand say, no, I'm not going to come on and leaving you hanging like I've had happen to me. Be, all because they discovered that I didn't believe the rapture the way they did. Yeah. Yeah. And then thinking it was a Christian thing to do, <laughs> like, oh, well, whatever happened to yet, let your yes be yes and your no be no. But you know what? I, so it's all right. Folks, if you had any idea of the stuff that I have been through over the last 10 years with people and guests and well-known people, the things that they have said to me, that's just unbelievable. It's just unbelievable. But you know what? It has a way of humbling you up. You realize how bad things really are out there amongst our fellow brothers and sisters, quote, unquote. It's a lot worse than folks pe people really believe. They they don't realize it. 
You know, everybody seems to think, well, there's a smiley, happy face on TBN and da 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 and I really like that person, and my mom liked them, and my dad liked them, and blah, 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 blah. And then the next thing you know, they're, you find out they're not exactly what you thought they were. Maybe it comes out in some kind of a news report or something, but anyway. And, you know, people go through hard times, and we need to continue to pray for people. I, I have so many examples. We must never disparage our fellow brothers and sisters, even the leaders. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how naughty, naughty they were. We must never disparage them because they could very well and will likely at some point, hopefully, come to a point of repentance. Okay? And then all your disparaging will be held against you by the high, holy, supreme court of heaven. And won't you look like, well, I'm not even going to go there. I, I wouldn't want to be in your shoes. Let me just leave it at that. It's better to just pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God. And I could give you example after example. And there's so many people out there that are just, you know, you have entire websites and ministries out there that do nothing but disparage other people. Oh, I've got to reveal them. I've got to call them out, they say. Well, you know, yeah, you also got to get yourself a really, really good fire suit because you're not going where you think you're going. But anyway, that's, you know, pray. We All we can do is pray. You know, we just have to, you know, God has blessed the listeners of this program. Now, I'm not saying that we're anything special because we're not. The only thing that makes us special is maybe that we've been kicked off the Island of Misfit Toys so many times that we're like, you know, we're out floating around in the middle of the North Atlantic Ocean by, you know, Iceland or something by this time. Praise God. Because you know what? You can't you can't touch on advanced stuff without being ostracized. You can't believe, and when you, and when you do come to the advanced understandings of the scripture, you know there's nobody you can share it with. You, I mean, and it doesn't matter what area that you, you maybe fancy. You know, you could be like, oh, I'm really into it. I'm fascinated by giants, or I'm fascinated by Nephilim, or I'm fascinated by the tears, or I'm fascinated with alien-human hybrids, or I'm fascinated with the intergalactic nature of God. I'm fascinated with there being multiple universes. I'm fascinated with there be trillions of life forms. I think that's amazing. The Luciferian rebellion, the wars in the heavens, that's what I'm fascinated with. You know what? You can't find anybody to talk to. Yeah, the more that you learn, what ends up happening is that you got nobody to talk to. And once in a while you run across somebody, but, the, you know, they'll always be like, you know, a thousand miles away and you'll get a couple of little chats here and there and that kind of thing. But, you, you know, you really won't be able to go out and enjoy a nice glass of wine and have a nice meal and have a good conversation, a back and forth, you know, d- discussion about things and iron sharpens iron. You can't. The problem is there. So what happens is you'll come to a place in your walk where you just. There's nobody that you can talk to. I mean, that's just kind of how it goes. And I know that there's a lot of people out there that are listening. If you're listening to this program, and if, you, if, you're, if you've been around for a while and you've listened to this program for a long time, then you know what I'm talking about. Now, if you're a relatively new listener to this program, then you're probably just thinking I'm some kind of a crazy person that, you know, I mean, you know, after all, shape-shifting reptilians, are you kidding me? You know, the Chilean mine disaster, the Los 33, and why they actually blew the mines? <laughs> they were being eaten alive by lizard creatures. I mean, why else would NASA be running the rescue of um, several miners that were trapped down in Chile? Hmm? Well, the National you know, Aeronautics and Space Administration, what would they be doing there? Well, it's because there were aliens involved. But, oh, you know, you know, but anyway. So you come, you know, in, in this long journey that the Lord has brought me in uh, along on, it, you know, it, with, along with the beatings and, and the things that had to come along with it to, to humble me up, um, you know, get rid of the presumptuous sin, presuming that I was in like Flynn and I needed to rebuke everybody else to be, you know, like me. 
that's a bad place to be. And the Lord helped me find my way. <laughs> it wasn't any easy journey at all. But that's okay. Praise God. And, and, you know, it brings you to a place where when somebody is struggling with a problem in their lives, you really, really can relate to them. And you can help them. And until you go through that, you can't. You can you can have all the theological degrees in the whole wide world, and you can be a smiley-faced, encouraging minister of the Bible, but you will not be able to relate to them enough to be able to really help them. Because they'll sense it. They'll sense that you're not real. They'll sense it. Oh, you're very encouraging. Thank you, brother and sister, for quoting me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I just want to reach to the phone sometimes when, when I'm going through a hard time and somebody's like, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. I just want to reach my virtual hand through there and just go like this, right up the side of their head. Right, kids? <laughs> you know. The last thing I need is somebody bashing me over the head with their one or two memorized scriptures. You know, where's the compassion? But there isn't. Because people are really great about slapping upside of the head with the Bible, but there are very few people that have been through hell on earth enough to be really good ministers. Yeah. But, you know, you kind of have to go through it in order to relate to it, don't you? Experiential learning is the only way. It's the only way. Anybody who thinks they can go to I, – I, look, I've looked at the curriculum of Bible co- – I was going to go to a Bible college. The Lord kiboshed it. He's like, no way. You're not going. Forget it. No way. He pulled the rug out from underneath me. I was so close to packing up and heading out. I was filling out the applications and everything, and, you know, the Lord just went, no, sorry. You're not going there. Anyway, praise God. So I have a, a, you know, I don't know how I'm going to stay on track with all the stuff that I want to share tonight. But one thing is for sure, I don't want to, I don't want to distract the message this evening with the normal agenda of the program, which is to go over the news and everything. I'm just going to roll the news that we have for this program forward till Wednesday's show. That is if I, if I'm still here. Now, why do I say that? Because I hope that I'm not. <laughs> So anyway, so what if, could it be possible that we do have a multi-phased rescue mission? Now, I have got a lot of material to cover tonight, and it's going to be super-duper hard. And I don't know that I'm going to be able to get as it across to people. I, It's hard. It really is very, very hard. And what makes it extra super-duper supremely hard is that you – some journeys that you go on are purely experiential. Now, what, the, what does that wacky Johnny Baptist mean when he says experiential? What I mean is if you haven't gone on the journey, then it's just simply anecdotal information. Anecdotal means testimonial, essentially. All right, so, um, so you're hearing somebody say it, but you're like, oh, I don't know. I mean, who's this guy? I don't know him from Adam. You know, I believe uh, Pastor So and So because my mom and dad and this that and the other thing in thirty nine ninety five and that's really good. And the DVDs and they have a big following. There's millions of people that listen to them. Why should I listen to them? You know, that kind of thing. Right? And that's okay. That's all right. Because the analogy that I would use for that is. And, and, and if I ever say anything that sounds puffed up, and I'm sorry about that, and please forgive me. I don't mean it to sound puffed up. It isn't puffed up. It isn't coming from a puffed up person. I'm just trying to impart things that are difficult to impart without them coming across the wrong way. And I don't mean them to come across the wrong way. And I'm just putting out my disclaimer right now. 
because I don't have time to put a disclaimer out for every single thing that I'm going to be saying tonight. And some of them might, to some people, sound like, well, how, who makes you an authority? No, I have no, no. I'm telling you right now, I have no authority. No, no authority. I'm just, I am just going to share with you. I'm going to just share with you the best that I know how to share with you. And I hope that it gives you hope. I hope that it gives you a lot of hope. As a matter of fact, one of the things that the, that the pre-trib rapture people teach, and I, 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 I would say that at some point, that's one of the reasons why I was invited on True News um, was because he, you know, Rick Wiles thought that I was a pre-trib rapture guy. I wasn't. I was never a pre-trib rapture guy. I was a pre-wrath rapture guy. But he thought I was. I could tell he thought I was pre-trib when, when I went on True News. And um, and that's okay. I mean, even being recognized as, you know, as, as teensy-weensy as my little bitty microphone is here in this blog talk radio land, to even have uh, True News, rec- rec- you know, and ask me to come on and speak on behalf of those who believe in the rapture was a blessing. That was a blessing. Anyway, so um, – but anyway, uh, it's interesting though um, that on this journey, I have been brought to a place where I'm seeing things. Now, you can't oh, – this is so hard to say – that you can't see things until you get to a particular place on that ladder. There are foundational understandings that need to be – Embedded in your psyche, they need to be, you know, uh, Psalm 119 verse 11 says, you know, I've written your, I've written your word on my heart, Lord, that I might not sin against thee. But it's a lot more than that. Psalm 119 verse 11 needs to really say, I've written your word on my heart, Lord, so that you can bring to recollection zillions of scriptures, <laughs> bunches of them, we'll just say bunches, so that I'll be able to build upon that foundation and climb up to a higher rung on the ladder. Okay. When you get to a place where the scripture starts to echo through you and it just really just permeates your very spirit and it's not any you don't come there overnight. And I'm not saying that I've arrived, believe me. I'm just holding on to the bump, bus bumper with for dear life, okay? But if you don't have some of the foundational stuff down, it's really really it's like advanced mathematics. And I am terrible at mathematics, okay? But trust me, folks, I can't even you know, it takes a lot of work. I need Quicken, you know, to, to balance my checkbook. Okay, <laughs> praise God, right, kids? <laughs> uh, hey, all right, okay, well, very good then. All right, so, but I do understand that if you don't have your algebraic laws down, your order of operations down, forget about it. You're not going to go to the next level. And the vast majority of Christians, including the- theologically trained Christians, do not have their order of operations down. They don't. They don't. They're still living in the world of context. They still believe and embrace whatever they were taught in Bible college. And why? You know, that's where they went. That's what they did. And they're stuck. And they're not going to grow. They're not. They're where they are. And that's one of the reasons why the Lord didn't want me to go there. Now, I would rather be on a little chipped off, you know, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, tiny little chipped off piece of an iceberg floating all alone on myself in the North Atlantic, learning more about the mysteries of the Bible and the mysteries of our Heavenly Father and the awesomeness of all of this, than be stuck somewhere. I would never want to be stuck. I don't care if I have to be alone. Like I've said before, you know, if Paul was a prisoner of Christ, I'm a prisoner of Christ on a supermax. I'm stuck in the middle of a supermax, and that's just kind of how it is. 
It's a lonely walk. And I've had so many people email me and, oh, I just love it when you use that analogy, you know, that you've been kicked off the island of misfit toys and all that. And, and they relate. And they relate. And, and it's good. That's good that we all relate. Um, all right. So I've made my point. I realize that a lot of people that listen to this program are not going to get it. And that's okay. That's okay. Please. Please do not think that anything that I am sharing this evening has anything to do with anything about somebody being better or more qualified to make the rapture or be more qualified to be part of the bride of Jesus Christ or any of that kind of stuff because it is nothing. God does not reward knowledge with the exception of Proverbs 25.2. It's, uh, it's the glory of God to conceal with the matter and the glory of kings to search out a matter. And it says all over the book of Revelation that we are kings and priests. It's talking about when we are rewarded through our inheritance and rewards if we are fellow metacoi, fellow sufferers of Christ. And ultimately, we are chosen, many are called, few are chosen, to be part of the ruling class in heaven. Most will not. The vast majority of Christians will not be, and, um, and they won't be. And it doesn't mean that – I'm not saying that they can't p- progress, okay, and, and, and they will. There, are, there is growth in learning and schools and everything in heaven. There are. And, um, and part of some of the tasks that some of us will be given is to go out further into the shadowy area or out further into the suburbs, as Odin called it, and to train people and to teach people that, that want to learn and want to grow. This is a whole not, that's a whole other discussion that has to do with heaven. I don't know. Maybe I'll have to do another special show that's just like three hours long dedicated to I, – I wanted to. I tried to do that in prior shows, but it's so vast. How do you take 10 years? 10 years, 4,000 plus – I mean by the time I did the copyright takedown voluntarily because I didn't realize I was breaking the rules with, the, with playing the music that I was playing – when I did that voluntarily, we lost thousands of shows. Now, I, I still have copies of them, and I can put certain ones back up again now and then. But at that point, we were approaching somewhere around 4,000 programs. I don't even know. I have no idea. And almost all of them had guests, but not all of them. And it's been a powerful blessing. It has been. And I want to relay as much of that information. I wish I could just do a big Vulcan mind grip and just transfer everything that the Lord has given me over the years. To everybody, I want everybody to feel it. To not 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 just to hear it, not just to write it down in your mean notebook like I did, but to be it. Because when you get to the place that you ha- that you are actually it, you're you're living it, you're being it. It is part of who you are. That transcends simply having heard a scripture, being taught something, kind of believing something. You know, it, it's a whole different level of spiritual walk. Now, don't, don't get me wrong. i got a long, 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 long way to go. And right now, my number one prayer, and it is, every single day, every single day I am on my knees almost. Well, I mean, you know, there, there, there's an occasional, occasional now and then that I might not get on my knees. But, but I am talking to Jesus very intimately. I'm telling him, I am not in love with you the way that I need to be in love with you. I'm not. And he knows. I would rather tell him and confess it than to, you know, have him tell me like he told Odin Hedrick. Because that builds the intimacy in the relationship, and it also makes it also means that the Lord is more, much more likely to help you when you confess things. Why do you think First John one nine says, "If we confess of our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness." 
What's up with the confession thing? Ah, see, that's a big part of the, the, it's so multifaceted. It's so confessing is, is it's, it's, there's life and death in the power of the tongue. Um, As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. You know, and if you're not really familiar with your Bible, you won't realize that half the time I'm talking to you, I'm quoting scripture and that's okay. But because you know what? The word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. So when I'm quoting scripture to you, maybe I'm not giving you chapter and verse, but you're still hearing scripture, right? Living and powerful. So it is, it's still going to touch you whether you know it or not. See, these things, when you come to when, – when along your journey, as you build on your algebraic formulas, when you understand the order of operations and you start to climb up that mountain slope and you're heading toward the light and you want to get closer and closer, you want to get above the canopy of the, of the Amazon rainforest to the point where you can actually see the ocean on the other side of Chile and Peru. You know, that's, that's what we should all be striving for, but part of that journey needs to be to fall in love with it. Our Father and Jesus more than anything ever in your – I mean, it's got to be totally overwhelming love, overwhelming love. And, um, and I think that should be the number one thing that all of us are praying for right now, that intimacy. Because you can think that you have it, but I suspect that you probably don't. Not quite at the level that we all ought to. And I think that should be a number one prayer for us all. Especially now, because we're running out of time. We're really running out of time. Now, I'm going to go ahead and try to share with you tonight, as best as I can. And I know that I'll probably only successfully get out a small percentage of this information, because it's too much. It's TMI. You know, it's 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 almost you know it's I I you know say things like well it's like drinking out of a fire hose. Imagine drinking out of like five fire hoses. To the point where you're just throwing bottles underneath them, trying to catch the water as fast as you can. Yeah, it's kind of like that. Buckets, you know. And that's okay. Uh, but I wanted to, to to just go into this as best as I can and share as much as I can and hope that as much as is possible will bless you. Because I've been blessed by this journey and I want to bless you with the journey that I've been on. And I, again, I'm again, please. This is my disclaimer, and this cl- disclaimer stands throughout this program and every program that I ever do. Search the Lord, seek the Lord. If you don't want to receive it, don't receive it. Don't receive it. It's a totally cool with me. But I have this supernatural obligation. This I can't. Anybody who's been taken to heaven, they have to come back and tell everybody about being taken to heaven. They come back and they write books. I've had my own tiny little share of supernatural experiences and a long walk that goes along with it, and that also has the same kind of obligation, right? And so that's what I'm doing tonight. Okay, praise God. And um, again, one more time, it's worth mentioning more than once. If I sound puffed up in any way, it is not intended to be that way at all. Because the journey that I went through to get to where I am, which is no place, it's a big, long journey, was wrought with a lot of lessons. Now, the pre-trip rapture people, I'm not picking on anybody. When I say pre-trip rapture people, whatever the case is, it, it has nothing to do with anything. I'm just trying to get to the point. 
Okay. All right. Praise God. Now, one of the scriptures that they will hold up as part of their um, example of why pre-trib has to be true is they will say, for example, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, I'm scrolling in here. There we go. And it says, I'm going to jump ahead to verse 15. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, and the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them to meet in clouds in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Now, Verse 18 is, where, is the one that the pre-trib rapture people love, which I was. I was pre-trib for a long time. Studied it till I was blue in the face. <laughs> I was very good at it. Verse 18 there. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 18 says, Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Now, I agree with this premise. How is it that knowing that we're going to have to go through World War III we're going to have to suffer Chinese troops, Korean, North Korean troops, Russian troops, bombs going off all over the place, people bloody lying in the streets, children with half of their bodies blown off. How is it we're supposed to go through all that stuff and then comfort the Lord with these words? Work that one out with fear and trembling. By the way, I'm having a peach bubbly. I love peach bubbly. I love peaches. Peaches are awesome. Aren't peaches awesome, kids? <laughs> All right. <clears throat> How is it that Luke twenty one thirty six can be true? If what you were to believe, if you were to believe what the vast majority, and why would it be that the vast majority of the people out on YouTube right now, many of which love the Lord with all their heart, many of which we brought on the program, Many that used to be my friends and aren't anymore because they decided not to be, which is very common because when you're going up the mountain, they slip and they stick where they're at. They're at, they're at you know, you know, camp number 22, and they're happy there because everybody in there, all their friends and everybody on YouTube is sending them letters and emails and telling them how wonderful they are because it's, you know, just how it is. Praise God. So how is it Luke twenty one thirty six can be true? Pray always to be found worthy to escape all these things that are about to come upon the earth and stand before the Son of Man. What does the word all mean? What is it about, you know, therefore comfort one another with these words, as it says in 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 18. Um, now, I'm not suggesting that um, – now, now again, I have been led to believe that there is a first watch, a second watch, and a third watch because that's what my Bible says. Okay, And this is also an advanced concept for people to grasp, and many will never grasp it, and that's okay. But there is – when you get to the point in your walk where you are spiritually discerning the word, which is the quintessential place that you want to reside in, which, by the way, is a long journey up a very tall ladder and requires you to become kicked off the island of misfit toys at some point because nobody will relate to you and you won't be able to talk about any of that stuff to anybody. And if the Lord doesn't take you on that journey, you and him, then it's unlikely that you won't be able to continue on that journey. I, you know, When I talk to my sister Marilyn all the time, I'm seeing her – she's hearing the things that I'm saying. 
and her growth has been stupendous over the years. But I don't, I never, I never say to her, well, you know, Marilyn, I told you about that a year ago, because that would be flesh. That would be my flesh speaking. I'm just praising God secretly that she's saying what she's saying because I realize that she's come to a new level of understanding, which is a blessing. It means that the seeds that I planted maybe years ago have taken root, and, the, and our Father has watered them. And that's the best that we can hope for. Now, um, so anyway, when, when you see all these scriptures, when you see 2 Thessalonians 2, Trying to think of how to put this out there. This is kind of tricky. When you see so Second Thessalonians chapter two, First Thessalonians chapter four, verses fifteen through eighteen, Luke twenty one thirty six, Matthew twenty two verses one through I don't even remember. Goodness gracious, let me just jump over there real quick. Thank you, Father Matthew twenty two. There we go. Matthew 22 up until verse 4. Okay, verse 4 is where it shifts over to another group of servants. When you come to this understanding that the answer is D, all of the above, all of a sudden your algebraic order of operations kicks in, and you're like, oh, my goodness. And you start to see it everywhere. But it's not until you come to that place. You've got to get to that place where you – are like, wait a minute. Oh, wow. And then when you get there, you can build upon it, and you start to see it all over the Scripture. You start to see it all over the place, and you get confirmation after confirmation after confirmation after confirmation. Praise God. And then other believers will say things to you to confirm them. And you'll it just kind of unravels into this... Wonderful epiphany, this swirly, whirly, wonderful place where God just starts to, you know, once you come to that place, uh, whatever rung of that ladder it is, it, it just things just start to open up and it becomes a powerful, powerful blessing. So what if it's all of the above? What if there is a first watch, a second watch and a third watch? What if there is a multi-phased rescue mission? I'm not saying that I believe in pre-trib. I do not believe in pre-trib. As a matter of fact, I believe that we are already in the tribulation period, which the pre-tribbers, you know, oh, you know, and I think it's going to get a lot worse, too. I think there's going to be a lot of pre-tribbers that trip up in the days ahead because things are going to get really bad. And at some point, they're going to be like, what am I still doing here? See, because remember, at the end of the global financial collapse in Revelation chapter Six, I think it's like verse three. Here, I'll jump right over real quick. Rev six, I'll just pop over there. Yeah. Uh, Revelation six, verses five through. There we go. Five and six. That's a global financial collapse. You know, a quart, a quart of wheat for a denarius, a day's wage for a quart of wheat. I mean, come on, right? Global financial collapse. And then it says at the very end, do not harm the oil and the wine. Well, we know that the oil and the wine, the Lord revealed this to me. That was one of those things I was like, oh, wow. The oil and the wine is a direct reference to the oil of the wise virgins. You know, they have extra oil, so much extra oil in their lamp of the Holy Spirit that they had to have it carried with them in vessels 
It was overflowing oil. And the wine is the new wine poured into the new wineskins. Get it? So the oil and the wine reference, I wondered for years and years and years, what does that mean? Nobody's ever taught me that. The Lord showed me that. Praise God. So now I know that 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 the barley harvest will be here. Those of us who hope to be on the first watch, hope is the key word, praying always to be found worthy to escape all these things that are about to come upon the earth and stand before the Son of Man. Hallelujah. Amen. Those of us who hope so much that we can go as soon as possible, but Believe me, if you're sitting on your hands right now, you're not going to qualify. You've got to be touching people's lives. You've got to be, there's got, your life has got to be full of works, love, touching people, prayer, prayer, become a prayer warrior. If you're just, you know, if you're a recluse and you stay at home and you don't go out and you don't, you know, and you're like, I can't go do that. I can't do, I just don't have that. Then pray, turn your whole life into a prayer, a prayer ministry. Amen. Very powerful. Super powerful. And, by the way, heavily rewarded by our Heavenly Father. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. All right, so we know that the first watch of the first, second, and third watch of Luke 12, 35, 36, 37, and 38, we know that the first watch is going to be here at the end of the third seal because it says, do not harm, harm the oil and the wine. Okay? So that's a reasonably... You know, I think it's a reasonable deduction, okay, that we're going to be here at least through that. Now, remember that the fourth seal segues quickly into World War III, okay? Behold a pale horse and all that, all right? That is World War III gangbusters. Now, but you got to get it. And then, of course, the sixth seal is the cosmic disturbances, and that is the sixth seal is where you have the meteor – that smashes into the Atlantic Ocean off the coast of Puerto Rico. That's the great earthquake. And I looked, and he opened the sixth seal, and behold, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of air. There's your three days of darkness. Sun became black as sackcloth of air. There's your three days of darkness. Yeah, that's what it is. And the moon became like blood, and stars of heaven fell to the earth as a fig tree drops its late figs when it is shaken by a mighty wind. Those are aliens coming to the earth. Fallen angels, yeah, which is an echo of Revelation 12, where the dragon is sent, you know, cast down to the earth with his fallen angelic beings. All right, praise God. Now, um, so, and if you can't receive these things, that's totally cool. You know, don't worry about it. Don't you just you can just flip off the switch and not listen. That's fine, but I have to get it out. All right, so. We know that the third seal is global financial collapse, Revelation 6, 5, and 6. We know that the bride of Christ, or, well, the first iteration of the rescue missions, okay, is the barley harvest, first fruits, first watch. Okay, amen? All right. We're going to get into that in a second. And then um, – and it's reasonable to – believe that because of the words at the very end of the third seal, do not harm the oil and the wine, that the first watch will be here for at least that. Now, how much, how deep into World War III that the first watch, barley harvest, first fruits, rescue mission will be here? We do not know. We do not know. We don't know. But I I am very, very hopeful that it will be pretty soon in the midst of all that 
calamity. Now, how, how far we go into it, there's no way to know. There just simply isn't. But to believe that, that the barley harvest and first, first roots, first watch rescue mission will be here into the sick seal is highly unlikely. Highly unlikely for a myriad of reasons, none the least of which it would nullify the validity of Luke 21.36. Pray always to be found worthy to escape all these things that are about to come upon the earth and stand before the Son of Man. There's no point in that scripture being in the Bible. Tear it out. Get yourself a big black sharpie and just redact it like they did, you know, National Security Directive number 51. And surely don't try to comfort anybody with any words about the rapture, you know, First Thessalonians 4, <laughs> right? And never mind uh, Paul and his admonishment to the Church of Thessalonica in chapter 2 of uh, the second letter, right? Yeah, we're going to get into that in a second because that's also part of this. Because if Paul's admonishment to the Church of Thessalonica is meaningful— then we can't be here into the sixth seal. I'm going to explain that to you in a little bit. But we're going to get there, hopefully, in the name of Jesus. All right, so praise God. So anyway, on that note, um, I'm going to go ahead and I'm looking at the time. Okay, good. I ran this one all the way to 11, so this is going to be a three-hour program. So that will give me a little bit of time. Praise Jesus, hallelujah. So, um, But on that note, I'm going to go ahead and take a quick break because I'm old. <laughs> And old people got to take breaks. But anyway, um, uh, praise Jesus. Thank you, Father. Uh, and um, I'm going to take a quick break, and then we're going to deep dive into the story. I'm going to take you along on a journey. If you can receive it, you can receive it. If you can't receive it, you can't receive it. It's all right. It doesn't matter. Just practice holiness and righteousness. Fall in love with Jesus with all of your heart. Do not be caught having no works because no works. No, 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 no works is not a good thing. So it's all, and there's a reason why Matthew 25, the parable of the foolish virgins and the, the wise and the foolish and the talents and rewards. There's a reason why Jesus put them both together as one big long parable, really. Yeah. He barely took a, he barely took a sip of a peach bubbly between the two. Hmm. Ah, I love that peach bubbly. He barely took a sip of peach bubbly between the wise and the foolish and the talents and rewards. There was a reason for that. Because when you, because faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. Yeah, dead faith does not make you part of the ruling class of all of creation. Yeah, praise God. All right, now, and on that note, let's go ahead. I'm going to go ahead and uh, uh, play this uh, song for you real quick, take a quick break, and then we're going to deep dive right into this, talk about Second Thessalonians 2, talk about uh, Sorry Parks, uh, Vision, all, all that. It's, it's a lot. It is a lot. And hopefully I'll be able to get, you know, the vast majority of it out, and it'll be meaningful. It's, believe me, folks, it's not easy. Anyway, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Here we go.
Praise God. So I got a lot of information to get out, so I'm going to go ahead and cut that one short and go right into it. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you will just pour out your presence, your spirit, the Holy Spirit. Help me. It's a lot. Thank you, Father. Amen. Praise you, Jesus. Okay. So this is an encouraging, this ought to be an encouraging show. To some it will be confusing, and that's okay. And they can look into it on their own and they can pray about it. I am no longer going I'm going to do the best I can not to put out a lot of disclaimers because they take time. I've already put out a ton of them. And they do. They take time. If at any time I sound puffed up, I am not puffed up. I'm simply sharing data. To me, it's information. Okay? And i got to take you on the journey and I don't have time to apologize for every single thing that I have to share because I, it just I'll never get it out, even in the two hours that are left. Praise God. So, back in 2009, I started Tribulation Now as a website. And I started writing a lot of articles. And it led to good things happening. And um, I would write things in accordance with what I felt. It, you could say, well, hey, it's the Spirit of God. It was the, it was the Holy Spirit that came over you. And I, you know what? Maybe it was. Maybe it wasn't. I don't know. Over these years, I have discovered, while I was wrong a lot, that a lot of times I was right. But I didn't know I was right at the time. And I just wrote the article and put it out there. Over the last 10 years, a very noteworthy 
collection of those articles. I don't know if it's the vast majority or not, but a large number of them, to my surprise. I, and I do mean surprise. I never, want, never thought that I was guaranteed to be right about any of the things that I wrote. But as it turns out, many of them were correct, which means that essentially they were prophetic in nature, but I had no idea at the time. This is one of those times. Now, there's a whole bunch of other stuff that I wrote about aliens and the universe and the Luciferian rebellion and angel wars and all that kind of stuff that I found out later that was absolutely true, too. But and just all kinds of stuff, all kinds of stuff. And praise and I praise God for it. I've had people email me and for what it's worth, not a lot. Oh my gosh! I've been going through your website. I'm going to spend, you know, and people, you know, and they're just flipping out because of how many things they're learning and discovering because they kind of knew, and they were, you know, and I'd I'd forget, I would forget a lot of the stuff that I wrote. In on April the fifteenth of twenty eleven, I wrote an article entitled "Multi-Phased Rescue Mission." April the fifteenth of twenty eleven. By April the 15th of 2021, if we're still here, that would be a solid 10 years. And I didn't know. I just wrote, I just felt that the verses in Luke 12, 35, 36, 37, 38 had to be meaningful. Also, from a prophetic standpoint, praise God, um, the Lord showed me this. This was a uh, highly prophetic by Reverend J.W. Brooks. In 1840, he wrote in a book entitled the, Liter the Literalism Elements of Prophetical Interpretation. In that book, he wrote, About the time of the end, in all probability, a body of men will be raised up, men and women, who will turn their attention to the prophecies and insist upon their literal interpretation in the midst of much clamor and opposition. Now, if Reverend Brooks had any idea of how far he hit that ball out of the ballpark, how wow is all you can say. Praise God. So, I've come to a place in my walk where, you know, there's a rule in biblical exegesis which says that you don't ever go to the metaphor until you've exhausted all possible literal meanings. The problem is that if the person doesn't understand about the aliens, if they don't understand about the fallen angels, if they don't have their glossary of terms correct, they are going to be handicapped. So they're going to jump to the metaphor quickly because they don't have all the actors figured out in the in the Holy Bible. They don't know who all is going to be playing a role. Okay. So everything changes. You've got to go back and read the Bible all over again when you realize how big the cosmos is in the end times biblical timeline, how huge it is. All right. So anyway, in 2011, uh, uh, in April 2011, I wrote an article entitled Multi-Phased Rescue Mission. And as it turns out, it was highly prophetic. But I didn't know it at the time. And it took the Lord about 10 years to show me all the little bits and pieces that I need to, needed to see. And he's still showing me stuff. All right. So 
let's so I wanted to go ahead okay first I'm going to start out by sharing with you a series of testimonies and then I'm going to go ahead and share with you some observations biblically and scripturally speaking that may help as well this is a fantastic amount of information and I don't know how I'm going to do it in two hours but I'm going to try now I started out in 20, 2011 by writing that article, Multiphase Rescue Mission, which is talking about the very subject that we're discussing tonight. All right, amen. Which is that there are three iterations of the rapture. The rapture, a lot of people think that the rapture is going to be Jesus showing up in the sky and a big, loud trumpet, and everybody in the world sees Jesus up in the sky, and then all of us go flying up in the air. That is incorrect. That is absolutely Incorrect. As a matter of fact, when I was on uh, True News, um, the guy that I was put up against, uh, that was the you know point counterpoint guy for no rapture, uh, they they had made some sort of a comment about. Right, so you think that there's a clandestine, you know, that Jesus is gonna secretly come to Earth and get, you know, I don't remember what I answered at the time, but that's actually a fact. It's not. It's a fact. Not not once, but twice, but three times. Jesus will come secretly. Secretly. Nobody's going to know. Jesus showing up in the sky in front of everybody doesn't happen until the very end after, after you know, Revelation 19 and Jude 23 or, you know, I think it is, where it says, and, you know, and, and uh, seventh for Enoch prophesied, I'm doing this all from memory, uh, that the, the Lord will come with 10,000s of his saints, which is, which is Jesus coming on the white horse with us. But there'll be some of us that come back earlier than that. Oh, I know. I just threw a big old monkey wrench into it. Oh, yeah, I'm going to dump a lot of information out tonight. All right. So now I have to use my testimony to help bring you on my journey as best as I can. I know that you didn't go on this journey so that I don't know what to say, but I'm going to share it with you anyhow. Several years ago, I guess about 10, maybe eight, maybe nine I was sitting downstairs on my couch, alone, as usual, and I was crying and uh, talking to the Lord. I was sobbing because I just felt in my heart there was no way I was going to make the rapture. It was around about the time that I was realizing how holy and righteous your walk needed to be in order to be qualified. I had no idea about possibility of three separate rescue missions. And um, I just wanted to make the rapture, whenever it would be. I just wanted to make sure I made it. And I was crying, and I felt really bad. I was, you know, it was kind of like the, the, deep, the deep sobbing kind of cry, because I was just so remorseful. And um, I don't know how long I was sitting there on that couch, But the weirdest thing happened, and like I've told people many times in my testimonies, I could count on two hands the times that I like heard the Lord's voice clearly. There have been other times, that, you know, but this was one of those times that it was really clear. Now it wasn't like a voice, like a booming voice in water, like some people say, like, oh, it sounded like a like rushing water and thunder. No, it wasn't like that. But I'm sitting there sobbing, feeling. Rightfully so, incredibly unworthy. And out of the clear blue sky, by the way, this is one of the ways you'll know that the Lord is talking to you, is when you're thinking about scrambled eggs and all of a sudden 
you'll hear something will enter into your spirit and it will have nothing to do with scrambled eggs, nothing to do with eating breakfast. It'll be something completely different. And then you know it's the Lord. Well, that kind of happened to me. I was ball, I was sitting there crying, you know, deep sobs. And I, it was weird. And I heard, like, go to the mailbox. <laughs> so I'm sitting here by myself in my house on a sofa. And I'm, Lord, <laughs> there's no way I'm going to make, Father, I want to make the rapture so bad. And I'm crying, and all of a sudden it's like, go to the mailbox. And I'm like, go to the mailbox? And I'm like, okay. So I stood up, and I walked around the couch and out the front door of the house and down the driveway, and I went to the mailbox. And... Here, I'm going to go ahead and get this. I want to share this with you. I'm actually pulling the uh, I'm pulling the actual letter that was in my mailbox out. I'm going to read this to you because I want you to get this. So I walked down the end. Of, by the way, please understand this. When a person is taken to heaven and they are shown things in heaven, the last thing the devil's going to tell you, oh well, that happened to them. It's not going to happen to me. So the devil's going to make you feel unworthy. All the things that I am sharing with you tonight, do not make the mistake, please. In the name of Jesus, I beseech thee, do not make the mistake of saying, oh well, that happened to you, Johnny. That didn't happen to me, and I don't feel worthy. And blah 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 blah. You know, forget that. This is for all of us. Our Father does not play favorites. Get it? All right, please do. Do not think that because I am sharing these things with you because they are for you. Matter of fact, you have as good an opportunity, if not a better opportunity probably in a lot of ways, of making it better than I do. I'm not going to get into the details of that. All right. So whatever you do, do not think this isn't for you because it is for you, or else you wouldn't be listening right now. So I walk down to the end of the driveway, which I'm looking out through my security camera right now at the actual driveway that I walked down. And um, I got to the mailbox. I opened it up. And um, there's this big stack. I'm always real lazy about getting in. And there's a big stack of junk mail in there, as always. And it's probably like, you know, three, three, three and a half, four inches thick. And I pull it out, but on the very, very top of that stack. Now, granted, if you're if you're a fervent listener of the prayer vigil, you have probably heard these testimonies before, a lot of them, maybe not all. And that's okay. But I've had p- too many people asking me, you know, I've heard you say that, you know, multi-face rescue, you got to tell me more. I wanted to create a, pr- a radio show that I can just say, here, listen to this. That's what we're doing tonight. I pulled out the stack of the mail, and on the very, I kid you not, on the very top of that stack, now remember, I still got tears in my eyes and all that, and I'm befuddled, like, you know, why am I going to the mailbox? And I pull out the stack of mail, and on the very top of that stack was a letter from the Messianic Prophecy Bible Project. And it said, on the outside of the envelope, it said, you are invited to this Shavuot wedding. Now, granted, I started bawling like a baby, so um, it's a good thing that my neighbors didn't report me to somebody because they probably would have taken me away. 
And I want to read this to you. So then you are invited to the Shabbat wedding. And I'm bawling because I'm like, I knew it was the Lord telling me. He was, he was saying, you're invited to the wedding. So he opened it up and it says, Shalom, John. The word Shavuot means weeks, and it is the time of seven weeks between Passover and this special wedding day. Shavuot is known to Christians as Pentecost, which is the 50th day from the Passover until this unique day in history when Moses received the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai. Today, in Jewish tradition, the holiday of Shavuot is likened to a wedding a marriage between God and the people of Israel. This is the day when he gave the Jewish people the Torah, the word of God, and that is his wedding contract with us. In some synagogues, a special wedding contract, known as the Ketubah, is read on this holiday of Shabbat. This wedding contract brings about the drama of the day as congregants feel like they are actually at a sacred wedding. The Shavuot wedding contract is read as a symbolic betrothal between God and his people. By the way, Hosea 2, verse 19 through 20 says, And I will betroth thee, says our father to Israel. The wedding contract specifies the conditions agreed upon between the two parties and is presented by the bridegroom to the bride. Did you hear that? Hmm, I hope you did. As it turns out, as it turns out, the counting of the Omer is actually the counting of the bringing in of barley sheaves. An Omer is a essentially a sheave. It's a measure of barley. It is also known as the first fruits. Okay? Praise God. Now, first fruits of what? Ah, of Jesus. See, now, what is the greatest reward of all of creation to Jesus? The greatest reward for his suffering. Of all, I mean, the greatest reward, first fruits, his bride, his bride, the first fruits bride is his greatest reward. Get it? I hope you do. Okay. So that happened to me, and I have, I still to this day, I'm holding in my hand that very letter, 10 years ago, still have it right here beside me. I'll never let it go. Okay. So I wanted to share that with you. But there's more. So then, another part of that testimony, but it didn't happen until many years later. Look, this is kind of how the Lord works with me. I can't speak for anybody else. I'm just sharing you, sharing with you what happened to me over years and years and years and years and years of time. So, Many years later, I'm going through another one of my times when I'm feeling unworthy, which I have all the time. 
And I'm in my office, and I um, was praying and talking to the Lord, and I was bawling again, crying. Which, by the way, is if you really, really want to hear from the Lord, uh, yeah, you need to really put your heart into it. Second Kings 20, verse 5, I have seen your tears and I will answer you, our father said to Hezekiah. Yeah. Okay? So there you go. So anyway, I'm having another one of those emotional moments, super duper powerful, supremely bawling kind of, you know, puddle of tears on my desk sort of thing. And it's along the same lines of feeling unworthy and all that. And I look up from my tears in prayer and I spot on my desk my keys, the keys, you know, all of us, not not everybody, but, you know, a lot of us carry a, a ring of keys for our house along with us wherever we go. And we, of course, hopefully never want to ever lose those keys because, you know, it just be a horrible thing. Well, I never take my keys out of my pocket, but interestingly, this particular day, I must have been transferring some files from my laptop over to another computer, and I have a USB stick on it, and that's about the only time I ever take my keys, unless I'm driving. But these keys were sitting, for some reason at the time, they were sitting right in the center of my desk. And, I, and, and it happened to be coincidentally at the same time that I was praying and crying to the Lord and feeling unworthy. And I looked up from my tears, and my eyes locked on to those keys. And I just about lost it. Now I'm really crying. It was kind of like the mailbox event, but just, a, you know, many, 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 many years later. And now I'm really crying because now in the midst of all these tears, I'm seeing right there on this key ring that must have 20 keys on it, at least. There's a key that has a very strange shape to it, very unusual looking key. And on that key were two words. Now then, at this point, 10 years earlier or eight years earlier, whenever, the, you know, I can't give you the exact date, but I had written that article. First watch, second watch, third watch. Multi-phase rescue mission, April of 2011. I'm praying and I'm seeking the Lord and I'm crying and I look up and I see first watch. I had no idea. I had no idea that key even existed in the entire universe. No idea. Do you know what all the keys on your key ring say? I don't think so. Neither did I. And there my eyes were locked. And I'm seeing first watch. It wasn't sideways. It wasn't upside down. I didn't have to root through the keys or shake anything. It was staring me in the face. If it was a laser beam, it would have burned the words first watch on my forehead. And I was staring. I'm like, no. And I'm like, praise. And I'm like crying. And oh, my gosh. But then it hit me. I needed to find out what that key went to. I don't know why. Who would have thought that it would have, whatever that key went to in my house, that that would have any meaning whatsoever? And why would I be obsessed with trying to figure out which key, what, it, what did it fit? What did it fit? What did the key go to? Why? Why? What made me 
not just stop and start praising God. Why didn't I just hold my hands up and start speaking in tongues and thanking him? Because there was more to the story, and the Lord wanted me to experience the rest of the story. It was placed, I was like, I had, I was obsessed. I had to know what that key went to. What's this first watch key for? And I grabbed that key, and I started going through the house. I had this little box that has a lock on it, you know, with a little code thing that you enter because, you know, I used to have my daughter living here, and I didn't, didn't, didn't want her getting into some of the medications. And I, and I tried that. I was trying to jiggle it in that, and it didn't fit that. It didn't fit that. And I ran around, and I tried to put it in this and tried to put it in that, and it didn't fit that, and it didn't fit that. And there I stood in my garage, and I looked across the garage, and I said, hey, I walked around to the other side of the garage. I think I had to grab a little step stool to get up to it because I had it mounted up high. And I climbed up and I took the key and I put it in. I put it in and it fit. And I turned the key and by golly, the lid opened and that was it. Back when I started Tribulation Now, I was still in, heavily in the flesh, as a lot of Christians are today. And I was fearful. And I went to Sears, and I got one of those luggage carrier things that you see mounted to the top of SUVs when people don't have enough room for all their luggage. They want to be able to carry it in a protected fiberglass luggage carrier that they strap to their, you know, to the top of their SUV. So I went to Sears to get one because I knew that if I had to bug out, I would need to get, I would need more room. Got to have room for my dogs. Got to room, you know, my daughter's probably going to need to come. We got to bug out. We got to run for it. Deepwater Horizon. After all, there's very popular Christians out there telling everybody that it's going to blow up and destroy all of Florida. won't mention any names, but anyway, so um, I went to Sears and I got this fiberglass luggage carrying thing with a lid that locked many, many years prior. You know, when I mounted it to the top of my car, it was kind of a hassle. And back then I was like, you know, 350 pounds. It was really, really hard for me to get up there without putting a big dent in my car. And, um, uh, you know, but I, I, I mounted it to the top. I mounted it to the, you know, the luggage rack on the top of the, my SUV. And, of course, because it was such a hassle to get it up, I didn't want to really take it back down again. I just left it on there for a long, long time. And it fit in my garage anyways on the top of the SUV, so why not just leave it mounted? What did I care? I remember the day that my next door, almost my next door neighbor, one one house over, call him the Bloonies guy, has a balloon business, and he came over and he was kind of chuckling and he said to me, I don't know if it was because I had the car parked in the middle of the driveway or whatever. Sometimes I park in the middle of the driveway to go get something or you know bring you know maybe a branch falls out of a tree or something. I want to, but he comes over and he's kind of chuckling and he goes. Hey, John, are you ever going to take that luggage container off the top of your car? Because by then it would probably been up there for six months, eight months, who knows how long. 
And I laughed and I said, oh, yeah, the escape pod. That's what I called it. That was the nickname I had for the luggage carrier. I remember that day telling him, oh, yeah, ha, 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 the escape pod. So there I was in my house. My eyes lock onto this strange-shaped key. It says, first watch. And I'm compelled, obsessed to find out what it's going to fit in the house. And when I finally discover what it was that it fit, it was the escape pod. Now, if you look in Daniel 12, you will see, I'll share this with you. Daniel 12. At that time, Michael will stand up. The great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people. And there will be a time of trouble, which is the great tribulation. It is not the beginning of the tribulation period like the pre-trib rapture people tell you. That is wrong. It is talking about the great tribulation. Such has never been seen since there was a nation, even until that time. And at that time, your people shall be delivered. Everyone who has found written in the book. Delivered. Do you know what the word delivered means? Here, I'll share it with you. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Let me see here. I got to zoom in my eyes here. Let's see. All right. Delivered. There we go. Strong's 4422. Malat. A primitive route properly to be smooth by implication to escape. To escape. As if by slipperiness to release or rescue, to be rescued. Malat. Strong's OT 4422. Slippery escape. Escape pod. First watch. Hmm. But you know, maybe all of this is just a coincidence. Right, kids? No, 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 no. It's not right, kids. Say boo. (laughs) Okay, no, it's not. Okay. But anyway, praise God. Good kids. Okay. So again, it wasn't until much later after the escape pod incident, the first watch key, that the Lord showed me that the counting of the Omer associated with Shabbat What's the bringing in of the barley? It was a conversation, iron sharpens iron, with another pastor that I had, that I should, you know, a pastor that I had, um, that uh, where she had said to me, oh, yeah, 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 barley harvest, wheat harvest, grape harvest, because she's really into the Old Testament and all that kind of stuff. So she gets the types and shadows really well. And um, I'm like, oh, cool. Tell me more. Tell me more, you know. So anyway, then um, I had a discussion with somebody that was disagreeing with me about the Shava Oat thing, and uh, that made me do some extra digging. And I did some extra digging, and I found out that, well, it was a ble- let's just say it was an incredible blessing because the Lord showed me that the Omers are gatherings, their sheaves, essentially, you know, um, measures of barley, and they're being brought in for a purpose. And guess what? It's for the first. Fruits. See, it, it just keeps getting better and better and better and better and better and better and better. 
That's how the Lord, that's how awesome our Father is. You know, when it says in James 1, 5, you just got to be really patient. You know, if anyone seeks wisdom, let them ask God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it shall be given them. You just got to be really patient because sometimes it might be five or six years before he'll give it to you, give, give you all the pieces. And he'll bring you people to help confirm it, too. That's awesome. Praise God. All right. Now, now I have mentioned this in prior, you know, probably prayer, I probably covered this in the prayer vigil, but I'm going to share this with the listeners tonight because once you climb up enough of rungs on the ladder and you can see the ocean on the other side of Chile when you're in the middle of the Amazon jungle because you're up high enough, praise God. You start once you have that foundation, you start to see things because you've got to have the foundation first. If you don't have the order of operations, you can't do your calculus. Can't. Sorry. And so, um, and it's okay. But um, but when you do get to that place where you're starting to see things, you're like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, there it is again, there it is again, there it is again, there it is again. See if it, it it's just amazing. You know, I have on tribulation now. Uh, the Lord showed me. I I knew. Look. Folks, you know, people will tell you in Daniel 9.27, it'll say, um, here, I'll go to it. Thank you, Jesus. In Daniel 9.27, you'll have people telling you. They studied all this stuff under all kinds of incredible teachers. In Daniel 9.27, it says, then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. But in the middle of the week, which is the beginning of the Great Tribulation, it's not the beginning of the tribulation period. It's the beginning of the great tribulation. He shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering. And on the wing of abominations shall be one who makes desolate, even until the consummation, which is determined, is poured out on the desolate. By the way, those words mean nothing. I'm an expert. I Look, I am an expert in the English language. I write for a living, and I and the, <laughs> believe me, my company makes a lot of money off of what I write. I have to sit there and do these papers. It is amazing. With thesauruses and dictionaries, I get it, and this is why the Lord led me to where I am right now. And I don't have time to apologize. If it sounds puffed up, please forgive me. I don't mean it to. I just got to get the information out. I don't have time. Now, Many, 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 many years ago, the Lord told me, placed it upon my heart that this doesn't make any sense. And whenever I read the scripture and it doesn't make sense, then it's not properly translated. Oh, and I've had people say, well, I'll help you understand that, brother. Let me just show you. And I'm like, (laughs) back away. Step away. I want them giving me their stuff (laughs) from whatever Bible college they went to. All right. So anyway. So, of course, the pre-trib rapture people and the people that, you know, blah, 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 and all that kind of stuff, they're going to tell you that this whole thing about confirming a covenant with, you know, for one week and all that kind of thing. And then in the middle of the week, he shall bring an end of sacrifice and, uh, and you know, they shall bring an end to the sacrifice and offering. They're going to tell you that that's the third Solomon's temple. They're going to be sacrificing heifers and all that kind of stuff. And there's going to be a point where they bring an end to the sacrifice and the offering. But that's not what this is about. There isn't going to be a third Solomon's temple. Sorry. Jesus said very clearly, he said, an evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. But we're all waiting for the third Solomon's temple, the third Solomon's temple, the third Solomon's temple. Because after all, there can't be a sacrifice and offering without a third Solomon's temple. 
But Jesus warned us. An evil and adulterous generation. How many pastors out there do you know that people have dearly loved over the years? Have been caught in adultery? I can think of about three or four recently. An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, but no sign will be given it. Except for the sign of Jonah. Spent three days and three nights in the belly of a whale. What is in the belly of a whale? Darkness. That is a direct reference to the three days of darkness. So people will be going through hell on earth, financial, global financial collapse, Christians alike, those who don't make the first watch. Because the first watch will disappear from the earth without anybody realizing it. That's the travesty. That's the sad part. The sad, it's, a sad part, it's a blessing, and it's also not a blessing. See, the thing is, it's kind of a blessing that, our, that Jesus is going to take the first watch away without the rest of Christianity realizing it, because if they did, they would be so disheartened and discouraged that they would probably, well, who knows, maybe some of them wouldn't even kill themselves. We don't want that. All right, so anyway, you're like, well, what do you mean? Let me try to share this with you. So here's the thing. When you do a Hebrew study of the words, he shall bring an end to the sacrifice and suffering, or I'm sorry, or the sacrifice and offering, it could just as easily mean the sacrifice of the Christian. But you've got to look at the Hebrew and you've got to think about it really carefully. Why would, in the middle of the week, the end be brought to sacrifice. Sacrifice of what? The Christians, see? Because Christians will be persecuted. And they're already being persecuted all around the world. So even if this happened tonight, it would still be true. Because, you know, you could just do a study on how many people, how many Christians are being slaughtered around the world right now. And it is unbelievable, but it gets very little press. Very little press. He, our Heavenly Father, will bring an end to the sacrifice and offering by what? Through the slippery escape of the first watch. Wow. Don't believe a word I say. Don't believe a word I say. The Lord showed, I, I feel in my heart that the Lord showed me, and this is me. You don't have to believe a word I say. It's okay. But I took a look at the words a long, 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 long time ago. Where it says, and on the wing of abomination shall be one, this is Daniel 9.27 again, on the wing of abomination shall be one who makes desolate, even until the consummation, which is determined, is poured out on the desolate. And I said, that doesn't make any sense, which it doesn't. Anybody who defends it, oh, they need a fluoride filter, in my opinion. Seriously, a big fluoride filter. Um, so I took a very deep dive look at the Hebrew. And I realized, oh my gosh, this could just as easily mean on the wing of a flying army of detestable and especially disgusting things shall be that which astonishes, devastates, and stupefies. And what's really neat about that interpretation is it aligns beautifully with when Jesus said, 
men's hearts failing them for fear of those things which are coming upon the earth. Oh. Get it? Which, by the way, is stars falling from the sky like a fig, you know, uh, like a fig tree shaken by a mighty wind. Meteors, stars, battle L.A. See, if once you wake up to these things, you see the movies are very prophetic. Our Father is awesome. But you have to be awakened to these things. You have to understand that movies like They Live were highly prophetic. So you know that the Great Tribulation has begun because there will be a massive alien invasion. And we also know this because all you've got to do is study the three days of darkness, the day of the Lord. I could sit here and quote you uh, prophetic words from Brother Dan in God's Healer 7 about the seven thunders. Which aligns to Second Esdras 15, verse 28, where it talks about the dragons of Arabia coming like the wind upon the earth. And all those who fear them will, you know, all those who hear them will fear and tremble. Which, by the way, aligns with the prophecy given to Brother Dan about the seven thunders. They're aliens. Some of them are host beings and some of them are spiritual beings. Spirit beings cannot be killed. Those that are in host bodies can be. And when they are, they're twice dead, and they will be like the giants and become demons. They're, I don't know, little little S, not capital S living soul, but they're little S, whatever, soul energy, whatever that animates their twice dead bodies, their host bodies, cursed, go on to become demons in the ether, just like the giants in the Book of Enoch. <sighs> Praise God. All right, I'm looking at my notes here. Oh, here we go. So I wanted to show you those things, but I'm also going to show you something else. Okay, first, I'm going to jump over and mention Daniel, or I'm sorry, Matthew 22. Also supports this, by the way. Just so much. It's amazing. Oops, I dorked it up. Let me try this again. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. M-A-T-T 22. Thank you, Jesus. Here we go. All right. Now, I love this because it's like reading a newspaper. Excuse me. And um, here we go. The parable of the wedding feast. Now, like, I, like I've shared with people many, many times before, when I read parables anymore, they, they, to me it's like reading a newspaper. Praise God. I love that. And Jesus answered and spoke to them again in a parable and said, The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged for marriage for his son. Well, who is that? It's our father, Father God, and, our, and his son, marriage for his son, wedding supper of the lamb, Jesus, the bridegroom. How simple is that? I mean, this couldn't be any more simple. And it goes on and says, and they were not willing to come. Oh, I'm sorry. At verse 3, and he sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding, and they were not willing to come. Now, here's where it gets really interesting, but you've got to pay attention to the details really carefully. So our Father God sends out servants to let everybody know that the wedding supper draweth nigh. But the people that they were warning were not willing to come. They wouldn't heed the warning. Now, verse 4, a mystery occurs in the Scripture. It says, again, he sent out other servants, saying, 
tell those who are invited. See, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen, oxen and fatted cattle are killed, and all things are ready. Come to the wedding! And they made light of it and went their ways, one to his own farm and one to a business. And, and it goes on and say, the rest seized his servants and treated them spitefully, spitefully and killed them. That's persecution there. Okay, now we got to rewind back to verse 4. Again, he sent out other servants. Now then, ask yourself this question. Why? What would be the purpose of the great king, our father, sending out other servants? So then I thought to myself, wait a minute. What if this is one of those weird Strong's dealies where they injected the word other just to make it read a little more smoothly? There's a lot of misinterpretations in the Bible that are the result of the translators injecting what's called a Strong's 9999. You know, just to make it read a little better. In the process, they dork up a lot of translations. <laughs> but oh well, you know, got to make it read smooth. So I went and I checked it. I thought to myself, you know, maybe that word others really important. So I looked it up like I'm doing right now. And up pops the Greek. And I'm skimming over it because it's, I got to find, okay. Praise God. Praise you, Jesus. And he answered and spoke in parables and he said unto them, okay, there it is. And he sent forth other servants. And let's pull that word up, shall we? And this one here is Strong's NT243. The Greek word is alios. Alos. It means different. <laughs> right? Right, kids? Different. Wow. What do you know? Different. Why? See, here's the thing. I'm the guy who always asks that question. I'm never, ever, ever, ever satisfied with what I see in the Bible. I want to know why. Why, 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 why? I was the kid in science class that became the least favorite kid in class when we were learning about the Big Bang. I raised my hand like Arnold in uh, Welcome Back, Cotter, and went, ooh, 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 Mr. Cotter, Mr. Cotter, Mr. Cotter. Who created the gas that was floating around in outer space that exploded? You could have heard a pin drop. Yeah, that was me. I didn't make friends with my Zion teachers, I can, I can tell you that. That's why I'm floating around on a little chunk of ice in the North Atlantic. <laughs> Praise God. Come and join me sometime. It's nice and frosty up here. But anyway, so um, why? Why did the great king, our father, send out other servants? What would be the point? It could have said he just sent out the servants again, and he sent out the servants too. But it doesn't. It doesn't. It says others. Different. It's because the first group wasn't there. The first group wasn't there. Our father couldn't send them out. They were gone already. 
See, once your eyes get opened to a mystery, then the scripture just starts showing you more and more and more and more and more. And everywhere you look, you're like, oh, my gosh, others, uh, slippery escape, escape pod, uh, first watch key. Oh, my gosh, shava, oh, barley harvest, first fruits. It just starts ricocheting all over. And you're like, like, wow, this is amazing. It really is amazing, isn't it? It is. I'm going to show you some more amazing. So we'll take a jump over to Second Thessalonians 2. And here we go. Now, to give you a little bit of background on Second Thessalonians 2, if you don't already know. And by the way, this is uh, for, for a very good reason, by the way. This is another one of those chapters that the pre-trib rapture people will hold up in front of you and say, but look here, brother. That's fine. That's fine. I still don't believe it in pre-trib, but I do believe in a first watch. I do believe in a barley harvest, and I do believe in a first ridge. And I know the kingdom is a hierarchy, and not everybody's going to be at the same level. Now, and I don't know about you, but I want to be all that I can be, okay? You know what I mean? And I hope that you do, too. And there's nothing wrong with hoping. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen. Let's all have faith. Let's all have hope. Let's believe. Don't make me start singing that Josh Groban song right now. Okay, so anyway... So 2 Thessalonians 2 is held up for good reason, very good reason, by the way. And I'm going to hold it up to you as my own personal point. I'm going to use this as a point to support the first watch concept. Because if you listen to – if you if you're one of those people that just can't help yourself and you love to, to just hang out on YouTube and listen to whatever, every Tom, Dick, and Harry, and Sally, and Frank, and whatever, Matilda – is saying out there, in the name of Jesus, that's fine. But you're going to get confused. I'm going to guarantee it because they're all in different places in their walk. And the Lord doesn't show everybody all, you know, everything. So you'll just get little bits of a 3,000-piece puzzle. And, you know, you'd be like, what's this? Oh, it's a nose. <laughs> but wait, there's 50 people on this puzzle. I don't know which, which, whose nose this belongs to. And you'll just get confused, and that's okay. It's all part of the journey. And some people need to hear it. You've got to start somewhere. Now, so how is it that 2 Thessalonians 2 supports the concept of the first watch, second watch, and third watch? Now, I'm going to explain this to you. Now, first, you've got to remember that in the sixth seal, where it says that the stars fall from the sky like a fig tree shaken by a mighty wind. You've got to understand that that is when, in Revelation 12, the great dragon is cast down to the earth with his fallen angels. That's the period of time. That's the moment in time that the fig tree shaken like a, like a mighty wind, the stars fall falling from the sky, Battle LA, and other movies too, which are very prophetic, have... You know, what looks like stars or meteors falling from the sky, and then what? An alien invasion. Well, we know in Padre Pio's vision from 1950 and 51, Padre P- oh no, he's Catholic, he can't be told the truth. Please. If you want that attitude, you better repent. You better repent. You better repent. Padre Pio was shown in a mighty vision from the Lord, the three days of darkness. And in Padre Pio's vision, matter of fact, I'm going to pull this out. I know I'm going to run out of time. 
I always run out of time, but I'm going to try. Let me see if I can find this for you. Praise Jesus, hallelujah. Isn't enough room on the desk. <laughs> it's got too much going on here. How, oh, here it is. Well, thank you, Jesus. All right. All right. I'll do that Rush Limbaugh thing. <sighs> okay. All right. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, listen to this. February the 7th of 1950, Padre Pio goes on about three days of darkness, and he says, and by the way, this is confirmed through God's Healer 7 prophecies. It's confirmed. It's, it's right there in the Bible. If you can receive it. Anyway, he says, and just, you know, whenever you see stuff that comes from his Catholicness, just toss it aside. Don't worry about it. God uses imperfect people. If he didn't use imperfect people, he wouldn't use anybody at all. And anybody out there who thinks they're perfect, they got another thing coming. <laughs> oh, praise God. February the 7th of 1950, Padre Pio goes on to say about the three days of darkness. He says, take care of the animals during the days. I am, uh, he says, I am the creator and preserver of all animals as well as man. I shall give you a few signs beforehand, at which time you should place more food before them, before the animals. I will preserve the property of the elect, including the animals, for they shall be in need of sustenance afterward as well. Let no one go across the yard even to feed the animals. During the three days of darkness, he's saying, he who steps outside will perish. Cover your windows carefully. My elect shall not see my wrath. You don't want to see what's going to be happening, folks. Okay? Read Isaiah 13. Your wives will be ravaged and your children will be cut into pieces. Yeah, it ain't a good thing. He goes on to say, Have confidence in me. I will be your protection. Your confidence obliges me to come to your aid. By the way, that is captured in so many verses. Trust and fear in the Lord. You will keep him in perfect peace. His mind is stayed upon you because he trusts you. Isaiah 26.3 Go into your chambers, your wedding chambers, for a little while until the indignation has passed. Isaiah 26, verse 20. But I don't believe the first watch will be here for any of this. And I'm going to explain why. Because otherwise, the 2136 needs redacted. Pray always to be found worthy to escape all these things that are about to come upon the earth. And stand before Jesus. Anyway, much more than that. He says, the hour of my coming is near, but I will show mercy. My most dreadful punishment will bear witness to the times. Listen to this. My angels, who are to be the executioners of this work, are ready with their pointed swords. They will take special care to annihilate all those who mocked me and who would not believe in my revelations. Jury dismissed. And you're saying, what do you mean, Johnny? I'll tell you. Those are fallen angels. Those are fallen angels. It's going to be a repeat of the three days of darkness uh, when the Israelites were in Egypt. Okay? Same dynamic. The Bible just refers to them as evil angels. It's all in Isaiah 13. 
the day of the Lord is a day of hum- fantastic alien invasion. And by the way, this doesn't mean that the aliens don't show up upon the earth before then. I'm certain that they do. Positive. Beyond positive. Thank you, Jesus. But I don't know if I can get all that information out to you tonight. I'm going to try. But the next thing we're going to do, excuse me, as the bubbly is getting to me, um, and also my age. <laughs> Hallelujah. Um, but anyway, um, the next thing we're going to talk about is 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and why 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 is highly supportive of the first watch, second watch, and third watch. Barley harvest, wheat harvest, grape harvest. Okay. Amen. Praise Jesus. All right. And on that note, Let's go ahead and play this little song so, you know, I can take a quick little break. Thank you, Jesus. Here we go. Oh, you know what? I don't want to play that one. I want to play this one. This one's really cool. This is from Kirk Martin. I love this song. Praise God. Here we go. Da 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 da
Thessalonians 2 is an argument for the first watch, second watch, and third watch of Luke 12, verse 35, 36, 37, and 38. Real quick, I'm going to just go ahead and cover, because there may be people listening to this program that don't even know about the first watch, second watch, and third watch. So before we jump over to 2 Thessalonians 2, let's go ahead and do that. Luke 12, 35. Said the parables read like a newspaper at some point, hopefully, in your life. I pray. But anyway, starting with verse 35, you see Jesus say, Let your waist be girded and your lamps burning. All right, stop. What is this talking about? Wise and foolish virgins. So like Shazam in your face, how can you miss it? It's like a freight train running over your head. Let your waist be girded and your lamps burning. What lamps? There you go. Wise virgins. Lamps burning. Talking about what? The rapture. So easy. It's not complicated at all. Let your waist be girded and your lamps burning. And you yourselves be like men who wait for their master. Who's our master? Jesus. When he will return from the wedding. Dun, dun, dun. From the wedding. What wedding? Wedding supper of the Lamb. It's coming back from the wedding. Doesn't mean it's over. Doesn't mean he's coming from the wedding. 
And then he comes and knocks, and they may open to him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, will find watching. Assuredly, I say to you that he will gird himself and sit down uh, and, and have them sit down to eat and, uh, and, and will come and serve them. And if he should come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. Now, second watch, third watch, blessed are those servants. Right? Where's the first watch? Well, they're obviously there already. The first watch are the ones in Matthew 22. It says, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who reigned for marriage for his son. He sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding, and they were not willing to come. Verse 4. And again, he sent out other different servants. Well, where's the first one? The first watch. They're gone. All comes, it, man, it fits together with such synergy, it is unbelievable. It's amazing. All right, let's go look at 2 Thessalonians 2 real quick. 2 Thess 2. Here we go. All right, so um, but Paul's like, he's like, you know, so the, Th the Thessalonians were, they were pretty on fire about the idea of Jesus coming and everything. And so much so that a lot of them were becoming busybodies and they weren't working anymore. They quit their jobs and they were just kind of, you know, not doing what they ought to be doing, occupying until they came and all that kind of stuff. So Paul felt powerfully led to straighten them out. So it's a letter of admonishment. In fact, when he gets to the third uh, chapter of the second letter, he even says, those, those who do not work do not eat. You don't work, you don't eat. Sick and tired of you guys. You don't work, you don't eat. Now, the whole purpose of the second letter of the church, or the vast, let's say the primary purpose, we'll say that, was to straighten them out. They were so jacked up about Jesus coming that they were quitting their jobs and they were mingling about. He's going to be here any second now. He's going to be here any second now. He's going to be here any second now. And Paul's like, okay, I got to put an end to this. This is crazy. So he writes to clarify things for them. Okay? To clarify things to them. He wants them to knock it off and get back to occupying until Jesus comes. But he's going to elucidate them. He's going to give them details of exactly what must happen first before. Before the first watch. Now, so, what he says is, now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together in him, he's talking about, you know, our right up into the sky kind of thing. The rapture. He says, not to be too soon shaken or in your mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or letter, as if, you know, as if the day of Christ had come. You know, Jesus, come and get us. Let no one deceive you by any means. That day will not come unless the falling away comes first. A lot of people, you know, I used to think this too. That the actual term falling away had to do with if you if you there's some translations and when you dig into it there's people will grasp at straws and they will say, Well, that's the rapture. It's what we see happening, it's what we've been seeing happening now for probably fifty years. The church is in the church is so seeped in sin right now that anyway. 
the following way. I don't care what anybody says out on YouTube. It doesn't mean anything to me. I don't care about it. It's irrelevant to me. All right. At the end of the day, the falling away is when the church stops practicing holiness and righteousness and thinks they have a Willy Wonka golden ticket to heaven. Because they're once saved, always saved. That's the definition of the falling away. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. It isn't going to be any some little big event. Oh, oh, look, we're all falling away now. No. It's what we see happening all around us and have seen for decades. So we're all queued up right now. But then it goes on to explain. The man of sin must be revealed. The son of perdition. Okay, so what do we have? Well, Christians falling away from the faith. They think they're practicing the faith, but they're not. So that's already, we can check that box. Check the box, okay? Hallelujah, amen. All right, so get out your little pen and check the box. Falling away, check. Man of sin revealed? No, we know who it is. We know it's Obama. We know he's coming back. We know that. But... He hasn't been, like, you know, revealed. You know what I mean? There has to be, like, a... Okay, you get what I'm saying? All right. So, that hasn't happened yet. So, we need that to happen. But then you've also got this other weird thing where it just kind of beats around the bush. It says, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Well, what, what could that be? Mystery of lawlessness. I'd say that that probably has everything to do with Daniel 2.43, and they will mingle themselves with the seeds of men. It's talking about the aliens. It's called, talking about the tares. It's all at work. It's all, you know, it's, it's all everywhere around us, but you've got to be able to receive it. But anyway, it goes on. It talks about the son of perdition, you know, it, you know, it, it is called God is worshipped. And he sits, you know, as God in the temple of God, showing himself in the temple of God, temple of God, body, temple, temple, body, body, temple, temple, body. It is not the third Solomon's temple. It's the temple body. And all throughout the New Testament, Jesus talked about the body being a temple. All right. We've had Carl Gallup's come on the program explaining to people the same exact thing. Praise God. Now, anyway, he goes on to say, do you not remember that I was still with you? I told you these things. He's like, come on, meatheads. Try to remember what I told you. He says in verse 6, he goes, and now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work, and he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Which is heaven's resources, heaven's power, the prayers of the saints, it's all of the above. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth. It says the coming of the lawlessness is according to the working of Satan, with all power, signs, and lying wonders. See, and it goes on in verse 11, it says, And for this reason, God will send them a strong delusion so that they will believe the lie. Strong delusion. The ancient aliens problem. That's what it is. This is the arrival of the aliens. The Anunnaki. They're going to pawn themselves off as our creators because people won't have the, the consciousness of mind to say one word. Who created you? 
I'll be too busy worshiping them. Worshiping them. And by the way, when you take the, the, the arrival of the Anunnaki and the alien beings and you go in and you look at Revelation 17 and all the horns and all the creatures and the beings, and these, well, ha, you know, these uh, have one mind, the hive mind, the Borg. They give their power to the beast for one hour. Why do they have to give their power to the beast for one hour? Who has that kind of power anyway? They do. All right. So what do we got here? Paul says that we're not going to get raptured until a falling away. And the Antichrist is revealed. Not yet. Not yet. We know, but most everybody doesn't. And there will be a lot of people that they'll see it happening, but they still won't get it because they just won't. That's a shame, but oh well. And then the aliens got to come. Are they here yet? Well, they are kind of, but for, it's, it's kind of the same dynamic as Obama. We know Obama's the Antichrist. We know Obama's coming back. We know that he gave his inaugural speech in the Denver Broncos Stadium, which the Bronco is the course of the apocalypse, which is sitting right at the approach to the Denver airport, which has which has a runways, runways that are in the shape of a swastika, and a swastika is a black sun, and a black sun is what? Planet X. And that's what was on the shoulders of the Nazis. It, it all snaps together in the most perfect, poetic, unbelievable. And there's Obama in the Broncos Stadium in the Temple of Zeus. They actually created the Temple of Zeus. The Temple of Zeus is the Temple of Satan. He stood there and gave his inaugural speech in the Temple of Satan. He was born in the land of the Nubian pharaohs in Kenya as Barry Satoro to a white woman who was a worker of the CIA at the Ford Foundation in Indonesia. He was a Muslim. Oh, but all those Christian books out there are talking about the Muslim Antichrist. And did you know that the Imam Mahdi, the 12th Imam, comes from outer space? No, you say. Yes, I say. Just ask Farrakhan or ask Ruwani, the head of Iran right now. Yupper doodles. Surprise, surprise, surprise. It all comes together like the most poetic, amazing story. Stephen King, eat your heart out. It's amazing. Paul's telling them, hey, guys, chill out. Take a chill pill. You're not going to get raptured until these things happen. Well, we're right on the cusp. We are literally an alien invasion, not, not in necessarily an invasion, but let's just say a right-in-your-face alien disclosure event, a big spaceship showing up in the sky. You're one event just like that away from this being fulfilled. Wow. Wow. That's pretty significant. Very exciting, isn't it? I think it is. All right. I'm going to jump over here, and I'm going to share this with you. This is Sori Park. Now, first, before I go here, because this is how I'm going to wrap up the show, because I can see I only have 45 minutes left, and this is going to be hard to get across, but I'm going to try. If you were to have a piece of paper sitting on your desk, and you drew a line across the center of the paper, a horizontal line, Above the line, 
on the top, on the top area, you have Luke 21, 2 Thessalonians 2, Matthew 22, verses 1 and 2 and 3, before the other servants were sent out. Luke 21, 36, pray always to be found worthy to escape all these things that are about to come upon the earth and stand before the Son of Man. You got all those verses, they go on the top of that line. Okay? You got the encouragement, you know, encourage one another with these things, brothers and sisters, First Thessalonians 4. Because, you know what, I don't know about you, but I'm not encouraged about being destroyed by a giant mega tsunami that wipes out the east coast of the United States and an alien invasion during the day of the Lord and a great earthquake that kills hundreds of millions of people across the world. I'm not, that doesn't encourage me. Although it kind of does me because I'm like that. But most people, it's not going to encourage. So draw the line because that line is the line of encouragement. Because above that line is the first watch, the first fruits, and the barley harvest. And below that line is the wheat harvest. See, most of the people that think they're going to make, when they listen to the YouTubes out there, the YouTubers out there, which, you know, and we've had many of them on the show. Some of them are still my friends, and some of them don't like me anymore, but that's okay. You know, as soon as you start deviating from what they think the Lord told them, then, you know, it troubles them, and they go away, and that's fine. Now, you have your line in the middle of the paper. On the, on the top is all the scriptures that only make sense if it happens before the sixth seal, imminence. The concept of nobody knowing when Jesus is going to come for the bride and all that kind of stuff. Nobody knowing when that shout is going to be heard at midnight. Now, you know, because you know what? If I'm getting cast in, if, I, if there's a giant meteor that hits the Atlantic Ocean and a double mega tsunami with a Las Palmas, you know, uh, uh, Canary Islands, and, 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 and 22 million people are wiped out on the east coast of the United States of Babylon the Great, the whole earth is shaking, okay? There's an alien invasion occurring. We're right in the middle of the three days of darkness is anybody you know what don't tell me that i don't know jesus is coming there's no surprise at all what's the point in watching ye therefore what am i watching for i'm seeing the entire earth being destroyed the concept of imminence cannot exist if you go below the line on your paper because below that horizontal line is the sixth seal there's no surprise. There's no watching for the thief to come in the night. If you're that dense, the entire earth is shaken. A meteor slammed into the earth. Millions, hundreds of millions of people worldwide have been wiped out. There's no television. There's no electricity. There's no nothing. It is a cataclysm. Oh, and by the way, when the, when the earth, I'm sorry, when the uh, sky rolls up a, like a scroll, that is global thermonuclear war. That's the destruction of Babylon the Great. From sea to shining sea by fire, Revelation 18. We know that Revelation 18 happens before the end of the sixth seal. How do we know? Because in Revelation 18, verse 23, it says, the bride and the bridegroom will be heard in you no more. That means the bride and the bridegroom is gone in Revelation 18. But wait, how do we know that that happens in the sixth seal? Because 1 Thessalonians 5, 9 says, we are not appointed to wrath. And Revelation 6, 17 says, the day of his wrath has come and who is able to stand? 
So if we know that the bride is gone before Revelation 6.17, then Revelation 18 must happen in the sixth seal. Because the bride and the bridegroom will be heard in her no more. Get it? So this, the sky's rolling up like a scroll. That's the global thermonuclear war. The destruction of Babylon the Great. And, by the way, many countries over in Europe, don't think you're safe down there in New Zealand. No, 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 no. Those bombs are going to be going off all over the place. Sixty percent of Russia is wiped out, by the way. Yep. So. And you're like, well, wait a minute, global thermonuclear war. How can there even be a Revelation 13 beast government? How can any of those things happen? Because the aliens who will portray themselves as the saviors of mankind will come to the earth in the midst of all of that, and they will vacuum up all the nuclear waste with their giant motherships. And if you think that anybody on the earth at that time isn't going to think they're our saviors, you got another thing coming. <laughs> right? Believe me, they'll believe. Power, signs, and lying wonders. Okay. So, in, you've got that line in the middle of your paper. Below the line is the six seal. There's no eminence. Nobody's, nobody has to watch for the thief coming in the night. No one will be surprised by Jesus. Because they, <laughs> look at what's happening across the world. Are you kidding me? Please, common sense, just a little bit of common sense here. So the people that have to watch for the thief in the night have to be the people above the line. They have to be the ones that before the sixth seal, because ain't going to be nobody surprised once the sixth seal occurs. Get it? I hope you do. Now, so we've had David Doetry on the program multiple times, and he was shown a large, round spaceship, like a round – he called it like a copper ball. He said it had like rivets going around it, whatever, which, by the way, if you type brass – brass – sure, just type in brass sculpture on Google – and I'm going to do that right now, make sure it works. Brass sculpture um, around the world. Let's see if it pulls it up. Ah, fiddle faddle. Um, no. All right. Brass ball sculpture. Let me try that. Here we go. Yes, type in brass ball, or you could type in brass sphere sculpture. They're all over the earth. It's a it's a mothership. It's a Death Star. That's what it is. They this is how they they know that they're coming. That's why the Pope goes out on his balcony and waves across the seas of people at the Vatican on Sol Invictus, because that's the moment in time that the Pleiades and the Sirius star system are rising up 
over the horizon. And that split second of time is when he waves. He's They're waving to their creators. This is why the Mount Graham telescope, the Vatican Vat, has the Lucifer attachment. The Lucifer attachment, which, by the way, is real. They have it on Popular Science. You can read about it today. Just type in Lucifer attachment. Vatican VAT telescope, and you will find an article uh, from, uh, you know, Popular Science magazine. It talks all about it. It is a, and that's the actual acronym. It is a infrared attachment that they put on the Vatican VAT telescope in Mount Graham so that they were able to see the brown dwarf, Planet X, remember, swastika, black sun, all of it comes together. It all matches. They're waving to their, to their gods. These are their friends. To them, it's when Lucifer and all of their gods come to the earth. This is it. The biggest, biggest, they cannot wait. Now, this big brass ball shows up in the sky. David, David Doetry had been praying all of his, I mean, I guess pretty much majority of his life. And all he wanted to know was about the rapture. And the Lord showed him. He, this is, I'll read it. There is going to appear above the earth in the sky a strange object. It will be large and sphere-shaped, like a ball. It will look like it's been built in sections, like a football, with huge rivets on the seams. Many will call this a UFO. I don't know. It will have the color of copper or bronze. Oh, my. Isn't that fascinating? Type it into Google. Like I told you, folks, you're going to see the bronze color. It will be on every TV around the world, and people will be shocked like the World Trade Center bombing. People will be glued to their TVs, but you don't. The minute that you see it, run to the, gro- uh, run, uh, uh, run to the closest food store and get enough uh, canned food and bottled water for about three weeks. Because between one and 24 hours after this object is seen worldwide, there is going to be a massive impact or collision on our sun's surface. It is going to happen on our blind side, and we can't see it coming. And it is going to be a supersized twin asteroid hitting the sun in a vital spot, releasing a major solar storm, knocking out all of Earth's electricity. All over the world. So those of you who read this will save yourselves and your family much, much, much misery. He says, now, what's going to happen in the next two to three weeks while the electricity is off? Within a few days, the whole world is going to start going crazy with hunger. Banks, ATMs will not work. No gas pumps or food. No refrigeration. Total darkness. Robbers, rapists, murderers. Cell phones won't work. He goes on and on and on. Gunshots, screams all night long, millions of people behind locked doors praying and begging for God's mercy. And he goes on, he says, about three weeks after this, the rapture will happen. When he was on the program, he he explained that how he stood in his backyard in Florida, which is just about an hour south of me here. And he saw blue streaks of light shooting up into the sky. He saw the people getting raptured, blue streaks of light. Call like Project Blue Beam, only different. It's blue streaks of light. Project Blue Beam, folks, it, it's not real. Sergio Manast was tricked by Satan. And so are all the other people that believe in Project Blue Beam. They want you to believe it's the aliens. In fact, and the people will believe it's the aliens. They will. Even the Christians. I'm not going to name names, but I can tell you. Like a whole bunch of really well-known Christians that believe it, and they're going to be wrong. I'm going to read this to you. Listen to this. Pastor Sori Park, 
Praise God. i got to move the mic closer to the thing so I can read this properly. All right, here it goes. This is Sory Park, his visit to heaven. And it's an excerpt from it. It was in the middle of, uh, it says, it was in the middle of uh, downtown Los Angeles, California. Holy Spirit taught me that was on, and, and he's Oriental, so it's a little choppy, but just bear with me. Holy Spirit taught me that was on the Wilshire Boulevard. A young man and woman were walking in the sidewalk along the streets. They were heading west with the man walking to toward the bush side and the woman walking the woman walking toward the street side the man was making an impassioned speech to the woman criticizing Jesus being lost in his rational criticism he called the bible irrational and made comments to ignore christianity the woman was walking carefully and praying inside Without any response to his remarks, with her head down, a little bit, and a book held to her chest. Quote, have mercy on him, Lord. In the middle of her prayer, she suddenly heard a loud trumpet sound from the sky. Rise up here! She looked up in the sky with her face full of joy and excitement. She had no time to express her joy because she was raised up into the air the moment she looked up. He suddenly found her gone and looked around in bewilderment to find her. When there was a clash in the street, the downtown street was traffic jammed, which means the car accident was a fender bender instead of a huge one. God granted me spiritual knowledge as I was watching the scene and taught me that the trumpet sound are only heard by those who get raptured. Listen to what I am saying in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I will repeat. The downtown street was traffic jammed, which means the car accident was a fender bender instead of a huge one. God granted me spiritual knowledge as I was watching the scene and taught me that the trumpet sound is only heard by those who get raptured. Christians that didn't make it. They won't know any better. They'll have no idea. They'll have no idea. And they're going to say, Project Blue Beam! (laughs) Oops. Oopsie daisy. He goes on and he says, Pastor Sorry, he's talking to Jesus. He says, with much traffic in the area, cars were moving slowly. There would not be many people who were ascending into the air in those circumstances, which gives some idea of how much uh, spiritually corrupted cities were. I was looking down at the scene high up in the air and asked Jesus, what will the world say about people being raised up into the air, Jesus? He gave me accurate and detailed answers. Jesus told Pastor Sori Bark, NASA of the United States will make an announcement that thousands of UFOs from a distant planet in the universe surrounded the entire Earth and abducted numerous people around the world with a powerful ultra-modern sucking machine in one moment. 
promising to make further investigations into the matter and trying to cover it up. Have you seen the movie Skyline? Have you seen the movie Skyline? Yeah. Okay. Now, go back to your piece of paper with your line drawn across the center of it. Below the line is where everybody out on YouTube is talking about the rapture. I've had many of them on the shows many times. I have preached this many times because the Lord had not shown me all the pieces of the puzzle yet. The predominant belief system, which is accurate because remember the answer is not A or B or C. The answer is all of the above, D. The vast majority of people out there are explaining to people that the final harvest, note the word final, please. Final means final, right? Well, wait a minute. If we go back to Matthew 22, gee whiz, what was happening there? I mean, Matthew 22 makes it very clear that the king, our heavenly father, was sent out servants to tell people to come to the wedding. And then he sent out other ones, different ones. Isn't that a harvest? Sure it is. So the final harvest is everybody out there who claims they're hearing from God, which they probably are. In some cases, at least probably a lot of them. The rapture to them only occurs during the final harvest. After the three days of darkness, there will be 40 days. Where those, but think about it. How many Christians are going to be alive? Hmm? You just had a massive meteor smash into the Atlantic Ocean. The entire eastern seaboard of the United States is gone. The whole earth has shaken. Isaiah 24 has already happened. Global thermonuclear war is about to break out. The bombs are about to be launched. It is unbelievable. The chaos, the cataclysms, the apocalypse has hit the earth. It's unbelievable. World War III was already in progress. The foreseal was already well under progress. Gog and Magog was underway. Chinese and Russian troops have already attacked the American soil. It is a bad, bad time. And then the meteor hits. Fire falls from the sky. It's bad. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Go back to your piece of paper and draw the line across the center. Below that line is the final harvest, the three days of darkness, global thermonuclear war, aliens coming to the earth, evil angels, total pandemonium, utter absolute chaos beyond words. I'm sorry, but NASA isn't coming on TV to tell anybody diddly. Sorry, because below that line you drew across your piece of paper is absolute apocalyptic chaos. Beyond words. Will there be a remnant of a remnant still here for that 40 days after the three days of darkness to 
bring in that final harvest because of God's awesome mercy? Oh, yeah, there will be. There will be. But the vast majority of people that would have qualified for the wheat harvest, the second watch, they're going to die. Because it rains on the just and the unjust. They're going to get Isaiah 57, 1 through 3. They'll be in heaven. And the ones that are left will transform Isaiah 60, verses 1 through 3. And they will start to transform and turn into light beings while they're on the earth. And the Gentiles will run to the light. The whole earth will be covered with darkness, as it says in Isaiah 60, verse 1, 2, 3. 1, 2, 3. It's going to happen. But that'll be the wheat harvest. It has to be the wheat harvest because otherwise, Second Thessalonians 2, got to take it out. Luke 21, 36, got to redact it. First Thessalonians 4, encourage people with this these words. Got to take it out. Oops, sorry, got to get rid of it. What about what I covered in Daniel 9.27? Slippery escape. All of that. Got to go. What about the simple part about watching for Jesus? Because he might come like a thief in the night. I mean, man, once you go below that that line across your piece of paper, there's no thief in the night there. Thief in the night? It's got to be a total surprise. Now, granted... For those of us who have been blessed by David Dotry's vision, which, by the way, Augusto Perez saw a very similar, if not exactly, I know it was exactly the same one. I know it was. I know. I remember the day that he told us that on the show. He was on the program talking about, oh, yeah, I saw a big round Death Star-like mothership in the sky in a vision, and there were all kinds of aliens flying around about it and everything like that. You don't think that's going to be on TV worldwide? Hmm? Sure it is. But remember... NASA's got to be able to come on TV and tell everybody that the aliens took them. What aliens? So you got to have the spaceship. you got to have the aliens first. NASA can't come. If NASA came out right now and made an announcement that the aliens did this, that, or the other thing, the whole world would look at them like, are you kidding me? You have to have alien disclosure first on a global level before NASA could even even come out and say that. No one would believe it. That's why I know that 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 this nonsense that people come out there with in their books, the Christian authors that come out and talk about the aliens, they don't know what they're talking about. (laughs) I know that they don't know what they're talking about. God bless them for trying, but it isn't going to be some fake dealy where, you know, Obama or somebody comes out and, and you know, and, 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 and in the White House press room with his arm around some alien being and says, these here are our creators. No, no, no. Nobody's going to believe that. No one's going to believe that. It has to be a unbelievable event. The only way the people of the earth that have been so utterly deceived by the secrecy associated with the fallen angelic presence on this earth 
The only way the people of the world, seven point what, three, five billion, huh? The only way they're all going to believe it is if there is any disclosure event of a magnitude that absolutely makes the movie Independence Day look like a kid with a paper airplane. That has to happen first. This is just basic critical thinking. If Donald Trump walked out on the stage with his arms around an alien or, or, they, or a couple of spaceships landed in the front yard, no, it is not enough, folks. With the, super, with, with, with the special effects of Hollywood and everything else out there that, it, that people are used to today, they would all think it was a big contrived hoax. There needs to be an Independence Day magnitude event across the entire globe, something that is indisputably aliens, before they can come out and tell everybody, well, the aliens took home. No one would believe it. Common sense. That's all it takes is just a little common sense. Above that line on your piece of paper is the first watch, the barley harvest, first fruits, a Shava oat wedding, where the people of the earth and the people that saw the rapture, thousands and thousands of people across the world have been given visions of the rapture, and it wasn't when the earth was destroyed. They saw it when things were relatively normal. Why? Because the first watch, first fruits, barley harvest happens above the line on your paper, before the sixth seal. When exactly? We don't know. We can assume, we can estimate that it's after God says, don't touch the oil or the wine, the new wine, or the oil of the bride, the wise virgins. So it's reasonable to estimate that we will be here. Or that I hope that we're all part of the first watch. I really do. That we will be here at least to the point of the global financial collapse. But I, for one, will be doing what Jesus said. I will be looking up for my redemption draws nigh. And I know what I'll be looking for. A spaceship. That's what I'll be looking for. Because it all fits together like a glove. It's an amazing thing. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Now, I had somebody email me and ask me about the 144,000 and the two witnesses. And so I'm going to wrap up with that little thing as a side note. For some reason, probably because so many out there are saying things 
um, point blank regarding the 144,000. It is not the bride. It is not. Absolutely not. 144,000 is hardly anybody. The bride is much bigger than that. That's an insult to Jesus, by the way, in my opinion. To think that that would be the extent of his word, his reward, <laughs> 144,000 after all that he went through, that's like a you might as well take a frying pan up the side of Jesus' head on that one. I mean, that is just ridiculous. 144,000 is like two football stadiums of people, please. It's ridiculous. 144,000 in the Bible is exactly what it says it is. It's nothing more, nothing less. It's precisely what it says it is. It's not the people out on YouTube going, I'm one of the 144,000 the Lord told me. It's not. Oh, it's this religion or it's that religion or it's this people. No, 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 no. It's what the Bible says it is. 12,000 from the 12, 12 tribes. Period. End of story. Done. Now, do you need to know anything more about it? No, you don't. Let it drop. But, 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 you know what? It isn't going to do you any good at all. But I, but what? Why don't you focus on things that are important, like drawing into Jesus and making him your first love? The two, this, I will just wrap up with this little story because I don't know why, but people are just so gushing, so fascinated by it. And that's cool. That's all right. I'm just focusing on getting out of here. I'm just focusing on service, serving the Lord with all of my heart, all of my might. I... And falling utterly head over heels in love with Jesus. I want to do everything I can for him. Feed his sheep and go home. Now, but there are people out there that just want. So I will share this with you. Over the years, I knew in my heart. Now, I'm going to take the 144,000 off the table completely. Let's just focus on the two witnesses. The 144,000, let's just treat them as an anomaly. Okay, 12,000 from the 12 tribes, let it go. It is what it is. Does God know who they are? Yes, he does. Is that all that's important? Yes. Is it anybody on YouTube? No. Okay, just forget about it. Just don't even worry about it. Just take them and let that be an awesome, cool mystery that we'll discover later. Now, let's focus on the two witnesses. Even though the Apocrypha refers to, I think it's like Moses and Elijah or whatever, okay? At the end of the day, you got to think the, uh, the Apocrypha is not 100% correct. Uh, anybody who thinks that the Apocrypha is 100% correct really doesn't get stuff. All right? There's a lot of it that's wrong. All right? And a lot of it is right. But here's the thing. Could it be all of the above? Might there be an appearance of Moses and Elijah? I, if you want to believe that, that's fine. I don't think so. Because my common sense thing just goes off. I, for the life of me, cannot understand how two bearded Hebrews can stand on a street corner in Tel Aviv shooting fire out of their mouth for three and a half years and not be blown to bits by an Abram made one tank. Here's the thing. Common sense. It's a metaphor. No one's going to shoot fire out of their mouth. It is talking about the power of God. 
the metaphor of the two witnesses shooting fire out of their mouth is about the fire. It is about the fire of God. It is about the authority of Jesus. It is about the heaven's power, heaven's resources, heaven's glory. That's what it's referring to. But then who are the two witnesses? The lampstand and the olive tree. It's not that hard. Lampstands. We're the lamps. We're, we're, we're the lamps. We're, we're, we shine the light. Christians, Christianity is the lampstands. The olive trees are the Jews. But wait a minute. Ephesians chapter 2 verses, um, uh, you know, I think it's like 9, 10, 11, 12. Read about it. Jesus Christ has made the two, Jew and Gentile, into one. He broke down the middle wall of separation. They are one in the same. It even goes on in Galatians. It talks about there is neither Jew, there is neither Gentile. Gentile, there is neither woman, there is neither man. We are all one in the body of Christ. Put it together in the name of Jesus, please. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. So the two witnesses are those who bear witness to Jesus, who bear witness to the Father. They are part of the bride of Jesus Christ. But how can that be? Because they're here during the Great Tribulation, Revelation chapter 11, three and a half years. I've always wondered, what is that? How can that be? I knew that I didn't, nothing worked for me. No matter how I sliced and diced it, no matter what I did, I could not be okay with two bearded Hebrews standing on a street corner in Tel Aviv. It didn't work for me. For three and a half years? Through nuclear war? Are you kidding me? I mean, the only thing that I can think of is this. Or maybe this. Are you serious? Are you serious? It didn't add up, no matter what. But when you realize that it is the two made into one, the lampstand, Christians, the Jews, olive brought together into one, Ephesians 2, verse 11. Uh, yeah, Ephesians 2, uh, uh, 9, 10, 11, where, where, yeah, it's two and a one. Test, it even talks about those who were – it goes on and talks about those who had the testimony of Jesus. And But anyway, here's the thing. How is it that that – because if you think about it, if it is the Jews and, and the Christians that are made into one, one body through Christ, if that be true, what in the world are they doing on the earth during the Great Tribulation? That would be awful. I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. I wouldn't wish anything but the love of Jesus on my worst enemy nowadays, but you know, if you know, but I'm just saying, why? What would they be doing here? Now, like I said, we've had Pastor Carl Gallup's on the show more than once. And he maintains exactly the same thing, has a fabulous teaching about it. He brings up scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture all over the place. And he does a fabulous teaching. He's like the two witnesses are not who people think they are. And he's right. I know he is. When, I, when the Lord showed me his teaching on YouTube, which, by the way, it was not a coincidence that I happened to stumble across it. And I wasn't even looking for it. The Lord showed it to me. I was like, oh, hallelujah. But what are they doing here in the Great Tribulation? Because I was very troubled because there were some people that I was listening to back at that time that I felt that were pretty anointed and everything. And I, they were saying that the Lord had told them that they were one of the two witnesses. But now I look at it after what the Lord showed me, at least what I think I understood from the Lord. 
kind of like with the first watch key, the escape pod, the Shava Oat wedding, and all the other impossible things that have happened to me over the years, which are all for you too. I couldn't put my arms completely around. I was like, what are they doing here on the earth? Because you know what, you, you know, it just didn't make sense. If it's, you know, and, and if, if, it's, if, if it's the body of Christ, you know, the Jews and the Gentiles made into one through the all that. What are they doing here for the great tribulation, shooting fire out of their mouths with the power of God? Well, I was sitting many, many years ago. Some of you may have remembered me talking about this. But for those who haven't heard this story, I'll share it with you now because this is one the Lord showed me. Now, could I be wrong? Yeah, I could be wrong. I don't think I am. I'm sitting, this time I'm not on my couch crying. I'm sitting on my recliner crying like a baby. For the same reasons, feeling unworthy. And Elvie Zapata's brother Larry calls me up, his half-brother. Now, he's in heaven now. And we're talking and he had been taken to heaven several times as well. And he was telling me all these things, and it was really cool. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. He was cheering me up. And he's explaining to me, he goes, John, listen to me, John. He, he, he had a very emphatic way of talking, a tone of voice that was uniquely Larry. And he would go, John. That's, that's how he would talk. John. He goes, listen to me, John. Listen to me, John. When you get up there, John, do not forget this. John, when you're at the wedding supper, they're going to take you into another room, John. They're going to take you into another room. And they're going to say to you, John, do you want to go into eternal rest? Or do you want to go on a mission, John? Tell them that you want to go on the mission. Take the mission, John. Take the mission, John. And then the still small voice. Then I knew why there would be a group of people a subset of the bride of Jesus Christ that took the mission and came back to earth to help the foolish virgins that were trapped on the earth going through unbelievable apocalyptic hell. Those who are sent back to earth as part of the two witnesses and the 144,000 are going to be endowed with power that is beyond our wildest comprehension, that makes the best, most incredible X-Men-like science fiction movie look like it was just Elmer Fudd hunting for a rabbit. That fire shooting out of their mouths is a metaphor 
for power from the heavens that the earth has never seen before. It's not a couple of bearded Hebrews standing on a street corner in Tel Aviv. Take the mission. Take the mission. Because with that mission comes great rewards. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that every person that is listening to this show receives as much as you will allow them through the presence of the Holy Spirit in them. I pray, Father, that anything that I understand or think I understand that is inaccurate will just melt away into a deep blue sea of your forgetfulness. And that a spirit of encouragement will fall like a gentle October snow onto the hearts and minds of everyone who has heard this show. Understanding how awesome you are, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all. See you Wednesday night, Lord willing.